everyone. Welcome to Cruel Classics. I'm your host, Superfan Giovanni. This is the podcast where we play the best moments, highlights, and fan-selected clips from all 14 going on 15 years of the Adam Carolla Show. If you're listening to this feed, you know how everything works. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Adam Carolla Corner. Now let's get to the clips. Adam Carolla Show, episode 13, Aisha Tyler. This one is from March of 2009. Aisha's making her first appearance on the podcast. She was a three-peat Loveline guest, uh, trilogy of episodes, stellar episodes. They're all through the roof great. The second one's probably the best. Came on the morning show, and she continues her relationship appearing on Adam's uh, programs with this first appearance on the podcast before she'd even started a podcast of her own. Hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, get it on, everybody. (laughs) Aisha Tyler is with us today. Aisha is going to be on Celebrity Jeopardy today. She also has a DVD out. You can get uh, everything at AishaTyler.com. You can find out all the dates where she's going to be around town and around the country and, in fact, around the world. Great to see you, my sister. Oh, thank you, my brother. I do love me some uh, Aisha Tyler. (laughs) Because she's so leggy and she's so smart and she's really a dude trapped inside a Nubian princess's body. She likes to fart talk. (laughs) She's one of the only girls I've ever met who likes fart talk. And maybe it's kind of like masturbation in that (laughs) women just say they don't do it when they do do it. When they lie about it. I think there are women who legitimately, when they cringe and when they react, that that's a legitimate reaction. Which I always find crazy because that's just like... Hating, I don't know, that's like reacting to something that's totally natural. Like, oh, I have toes. Ew. Like, when girls do that, I just want to punch them in the face. Right. You know, farting is... there. I just... If you don't find farts funny, you have no soul, as far as I'm concerned. I agree, and it's the only... Well, first off, it's the only thing I can do alone to crack <laughs> myself up, which is... I used to live in a house that had, like, 80 stairs, and one time I did, like, a 22-stair fart. Wow. And when I got to the landing, I just cracked my own shit up. <laughs> So badly, I was doubled over at the door ah. alone. I love that that was the unit of measurement that you chose for your fart. You're like, it was a 22 stepper. 22 stepper. <laughs> Anyone want to step up on the pond? Bring Anyone think it. they got 23 people in their be, calling? People are going to be running stadium stairs just trying to boost, yeah. boost your record. Well, people talk a pretty good ass game, but I, don't <laughs> ra- I rarely hear from them on Sunday when it comes time to separate the wheat from the chaff. <laughs> I will tell you the problem, though, with getting really comfortable with your flatulence. It's not like I ever try to generate a fart, but I feel like you shouldn't hold them in. I feel like that's really unnatural. My dad used to, my dad's like a big poet. You have like a dad of like a big, big statement poem. Like my dad's a big poem guy. I always mm-hmm. had like an aphorism. And his favorite aphorism around the dinner table, because um, he's a class act, was, uh, he's, still, he's still alive, but I'm talking about like his dad, uh, is it's better, better to fart and be ashamed than to hold it in, bust a gut, and go lame. And that was like my father's favorite wow. kind of like dinner time aphorism. Some people would say a prayer, a Lord's Prayer, my dad would tell the fart poem and uh mine my dad's was he who denies it supplies it i think that's a classic although no that was his that was my grandfather's Uh my dad's was uh i may have cut the cheese but you licked the knife i think that's (laughs) we go way the corollas go way back with the fartisms (laughs) a long and heady tradition yeah the problem you know really the only (laughs) there is a there's uh look i don't want to i don't want to get grotesque here but there's a couple too late couple things 
you will get casual about farting like you get casual about swearing, mm-hmm. and then eventually you'll do it in front a of the wrong mistake, people. A terrible mistake, and that is my point. You right. cannot get so comfortable in your own flatulence that you aren't aware of where you are, because occasionally, if you're at home and, you, and your significant other or your roommates are cool with it, and you just kind of let it go, and then you're in a business meeting, you're in a restaurant, you're in the movie theater, and all of a sudden, somebody's trying to stab you in the neck you know, with a sawed-off popcorn container or something like that. You know? Yeah, I have gotten uh, a little casual with the ass tooting, and then also, and I, I don't know if this is true, but uh, as a male, Dr. Drew always says you want a male's um, urinary tract uh, before the age, you know, from zero to 40, you don't want a female's at that point, but then after about 40, you want the females. In terms of health? In terms of just maintenance, health. Okay. We, don't, we don't get yeast infections. Right, right. And then all of a sudden, everything just blows up. And then at a certain 40. point, yeah. we swap roles. Down. I get it. Right. Yeah. And... I don't know if I got to start doing some kegels or, or, or if I just need start to focus a, more. Echo. I just notice a little like when I'm, uh, you know, clearing my throat and a little <laughs> comes out when I'm clearing or <laughs> trying to get a, trying to get the lid off a pickle jar. And, uh, you know, there's little I've been noticing like I've been standing around with my nanny and just sort of laughing a little. Oh, you know, no. and I'm wondering if I'm getting if it's an emotional thing, like am I just feeling that relaxed or am I losing just. <laughs> If, a tiny I, bit of tension. Have I lost just a little movement on my curveball? You right. know what I mean? If I, I lost, you know, just a couple miles I don't know. an hour and I don't on my know. fastball. Can a guy do, I guess you, kegels are, are non-sex specific. I think you could start to do the kegels. But then I, I don't know that, look, people who do kegels, usually they've just had a baby or they're trying to kind of come up with some new kind of like sex act. If you're doing kegels to like firm up your, your fart action, maybe we need to get new goals in life. Do you know what I'm saying? You like, may, you may problematic. Be, well, maybe you're... 10 days, oh, 10, 10 minutes a day working on your... On your sphincter no, I, I I can dig that, but what I'm saying is, is you know, they say the time to really use the Rogaine is before the hair right, falls out. Right, you right, know right. what I mean? Preventive. Kegels. I'm looking forward to being in my 60s and just meeting the president. Nice to meet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we'll, maybe you'll be at that point in the 60s where it'll just ease out with no no <laughs> resistance at all. It'll just be a silent, just a just a, just a. I don't. I don't know. I've never, thus far, I don't have a rich history in the silent but deadly <laughs> department. I, I, I the big it. problem, and hmm. then maybe we'll move on from farts. Well, I could talk we'll about give it another for half twenty an hour, minutes, and then we'll move that, on. That uh, the, the 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 main problem is when you're confident that you're going to be able to to get some stealth work done. And yes, then the body betrays. That is pretty much yes. the worst. Right, the worst. Of right, all right. Problems. You're like, yeah. hey, asshole! I thought we had a we deal. had a deal. Well, what we made is it. This? We shook on this, and Come then you on. let me. Yes, exactly. You, you can't be a spy. Ah, you can't be sneaking up on people. I, you, yes. I gave you ample warning. A fart <laughs> was coming down the flume. All uh, the neurons were firing. I, were leaned, I gingerly leaned to my left and got a little <laughs> cheek spread, and you stabbed me in the ass. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it sounds like you're starting a regatta. What? I thought we had a relationship here, asshole. Kazoo. This <laughs> yes. bust a kazoo. There were tones. It is. That does keep you honest because just when you think you have, you know what it's like. And a you've lot got a strategy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to move away. I'm going to blame it on whoever's right. left. And then your body betrays. It, you know, it's a lot like it's a lot like working with wild animals. <laughs> 14 years of blissful relationship. And the next, you know, the monkey's tearing your the face tearing off. Tearing your face off. The tiger's uh, the bitten tiger's you in the nose. Bitten you. It's like, what? happened raised him as a cub raised my asshole as a cub we (laughs) slept in the same bed we bathed together 
I fed him I carrots. I tenderly, tenderly cared to your every need. I used to feed him an apple yes. from my mouth. <laughs> and one day my asshole just turned on me. The limberness required to feed your asshole an <laughs> apple from your mouth is just... Mauled by my own anus. <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> just, that's all in my head. You're just like a master yogi, like a 10th black belt yogi There's right now. There's me the and apple. my asshole in the montage. We're, we're on a bike built for you're two. Wa- <laughs> yes, you're walking along the Champs-Élysées. There's the, there's there's the a, Eiffel Tower in the background. There's a Hermit's Hermit song in the background. You're sharing a noodle. We're on the beach. <laughs> we, all, we get sucked together. We're drinking a smoothie with, with two straws. Two straws. Oh, yeah. And egg cream at the soda fountain. Oh, those were the... Those those were the salad days with me and my <laughs> asshole. Halcyon, it, halcyon days. And now this. Now <laughs> it turns on me and embarrasses me at the dinner party. Don't you, you know the thing about, about the fart is that there, there's this duality too, right, between it being this natural function and being this forbidden thing. And if it wasn't forbidden, it wouldn't be as funny. The noise yeah. is always genuinely funny. But what's even funnier is when someone rips it in a group of people. <laughs> sure. And there's that moment where everybody decides whether they're going to acknowledge it or not. That is the funniest moment yes. in the world. Yes. Trying, because some, there's something about laughing the moment when you're holding it in before you let it out where the tears are streaming. That mm-hmm. is the most enjoyable. It's like, it's like yeah. right before an orgasm. You know what I mean? That's the most enjoyable moment of laughing the, the, the most enjoyable part of life, really, is, you know, it's not the orgasm. It's the part where you know you're going to have one and you can't stop it. And it's three, <laughs> two, one. There's, now, yay! there's a weird, there's that weird moment. It, it is the same with laughter where you have that. That I'm, I'm now I'm officially going to lose yeah, it. Yeah. And uh, actually, I, I, I just ran into a guy named Jan, Jan Zetterberg huge big guy from like the netherlands who uh, like I, used, I used to work construction with kind of yeah thing. like one of those yeah. guys big old big old strong yan and i work construction with this guy and this is a big big cleft in his chin and big broad shoulders and I, i'd never seen him do anything but wear bags and cuss guys <laughs> out yeah. and pull up in a pickup truck and he was getting married we went to his wedding mm-hmm. and there's a short little jewish man i guess his, his bride was probably jewish and he was looking up at yan and he was like, he was literally like Benny Hill sidekick, like the bald guy slap on the head. And he started to sing, he started singing Sunrise, Sunset to oh, Jan. He was like, wow. is this the little boy I once knew? And oh, I, I started oh. to get, I was like, here it, here it comes. Tears. I can't. I'm feeling tearful now. I, I am going to, the... and it was, all this guy is a big you know, big palooka douchebag, right. semi-racist, <laughs> cussing, son of a, you know, one of these construction guys. Yeah. And this guy looking up doing the uh, sunrise, sunset oh, thing. And I said, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Yeah. And I had to lie on the floor of the church because I knew <laughs> I knew it was coming. And it is kind of one of those weird body things. Yeah, where the body it, takes it, over. The body takes over. But what is the plan? Like, you know, <laughs> you know when you're nervous. Yeah. And you're you're out on a job interview or you're doing whatever you're doing or it's a first date. You start to notice you feel that little bead of sweat start coming down your side or you you get the cotton mouth. And and I'm thinking, I understand, you know, back in the day you needed the adrenaline surge to Mm -hmm. outrun the baboon that was chasing you in the Serengeti. But for the love of Christ, what's the flop sweat (laughs) doing now? What's the flop sweat? Yes. And the flop sweat never is never like kind of context. Like contextually appropriate, right? Like you know, a, a, a true flop sweat. And I've had, I had a period when, uh, when I rewrote my entire stand-up act. Like I've been doing one act for a while, and then I realized I needed to overhaul it, so I kind of did all new material. And the, and it wasn't like I was a little sweaty, like this is new. It was like I was going to the electric chair every yeah. single night. It was like I would have to wear three shirts. I could have put 
pampers under both arms, right. and it would and not have made doing, a difference. You're doing nothing physically. Yeah, yeah, like it's just a completely inappropriate response yeah, like, how, to the, to like the tension you're, you're under. It, it's not. Yeah, how many yeah. calories are you burning standing there, hearing people not laugh? <laughs> yes, gripping your sweaty, t- like you know, st- set right. list or whatever. But you can feel the sweat actually dripping down your mm-hmm. sides across your rib cage for, as you're pitting out whatever <laughs> sweater you're wearing, and you're thinking to yourself, "Really, what good? Yeah, right now is when I need to what not evolution- sweat." Evolutionary meaning yes. does this have? Now, yeah. now's when I need to not yes. stutter. Yeah. Now's when I need not to have my hand shake a little when I'm holding or up that, the, or the my lip speech quiver, or the lip, qu- lip quiver, quiver. Yep. or the weird cottony mouth <laughs> thing, where you, or the gulp thing, right? Like going, and uh, geez, uh, boy, uh, boy, I, I tell you, Jehovah's Witness <laughs> came to my house the other. What is that? Like. I really? Why is that built the into us? The body is a mystery. The body's mi- the funny thing about the flop sweat and and all of those things is that they don't have any. Like you said, like the fight or flight thing, right? The adrenaline, you know. Okay, there's a woolly mammoth coming to impale you on a tusk. Right. Get out of here. But the but the cotton mouth means nothing. Does nothing. Does right. Yes. The, it's as a matter of fact, you might stop by a stream and then yes, just get trampled impaled. by the woolly mammoth. Yes. Like. Where's the cotton mouth? I, I, I agree. Like, if we were to go back to the drawing board, I would definitely... <laughs> Get rid of the flop sweat and correct, the cotton mouth. Correct a few things. Also, <laughs> uh, you're not old enough, Aisha, but uh, the, the first day you, re- you see your first gray hair... And then you're getting out of the shower and you see a zit on your back. And you go, really? <laughs> a zit and gray, and gray hair. hair. Really? Because I, I didn't think, I thought one would stop yes. and the other would start and there'd yes. be a nice 10 year buff or whatever. Right. A zit just and gray hair. 10 years in your 30s of just like decent skin and pretty good hair. Maybe not perfect. We're not asking for perfect, just decent. Right. But I got a gray hair and a zit. And I always thought, really? Doesn't. Shouldn't I get at least a little Aren't buffer? Aren't you finding that, finding that this, the acne is circling back? Like, that's what I'm finding. I feel like once you have a mortgage, you mm-hmm. should be zit-free. I should yes. not have to go pay my mortgage and then buy a tube of Clearasil. But I have a massive tube of Clearasil <laughs> in my medicine cabinet, and I'm still in the mirror with the with the freaking, like, going to bed with, like, white crap on my face. Like, you know, well, let 16. Well, let me say a couple things. First off, for those of you who do get the zits out there, the uh, tinted stuff is is the way to go. Now, <laughs> this is one of these things that drives me nuts. You get the Oxy-10. Yeah. The Oxy-10 is white. Right. So it looks like, I mean, on you, it'd be a goddamn disaster. <laughs> on me, it's a fucking holocaust. It's like somebody took a dab of toothpaste, yeah, toothpaste. and put it on my forehead. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, hey, hello, Oxy-10. <laughs> like Who, it's 2009. You can't is, come up with it. Is yeah. this for Edgar Winter and his brother? <laughs> like. Who is this? Bonaducci is not that white. Like, there's nobody that's that. You think a, a sheet of typewriter paper is right. going to get a zit? A I mean, mystery. it's white, and it says vanishing formula yeah, on it. Yeah, but no. no. There's it's, one. There's one product. I feel like. Uh, I can't think of who makes it, but it's clear. And it's great because it does go on clear and it stays clear. But what happens is you put it on when you go to bed. Then you get up and you forget you have it on. And then it, it starts to roll up into little uh, face boogers. Right. And then people come up to you and they go, oh, uh, apparently you've got snot on your head. Yeah. And that's that's always fun when you're getting the mail. Well, you get to wear makeup. Yes, I and do. And you see, as a, it as on a there. dude, you're screwed. Yes, there's So no... like in high school or college or whenever, you got a big date. You yeah. get that big date zit. Again, that's your body. You can't comb your but bangs over it or no i got like no that. bangs to comb no. and as a guy when you don't wear makeup when you do put the zit cream on even if it's the flesh colored zit cream on it looks like you have a dab of makeup now <laughs> in the middle of your forehead 
always classy. I always uh, classy I don't know. Like, you don't have kids, right? No, I don't have any kids yet. I'm going to, and I, I don't know if you're... I, I don't feel like I spoke to my parents about anything. Right, right, right. Like, I'm going to do two weeks just on zits <laughs> with my kids. You right, know what I mean? Right. Yeah, like, I will not bring them in. Like, do, that's the thing. Like, I don't know if parents don't think it's important to you or they think you're going to figure it out on your own. But, like, I was thinking about, like, like all the years that I wore, like, crazy like essentially like Italian Jersey mall girl makeup. Like right. I knew nothing about makeup and I was just rocking like that terrible black, like where you melt the eyeliner with a match and then like inappropriate for my ethnicity, inappropriate for the year I was living in and like the really cheap, like $1 lipstick. Like I'm not even that into fashion and shit like that, but I would be like, Hey kid, let's have a conversation about makeup. I'm not gonna let you leave the house looking like, like, like you're spooky. I, I don't know. Like, was there some sort of like deal or pact our parents made where after the age of 15 there'd be no No more conversations going (laughs) on because my kid is going to get the hey man your front right tire looks a little low how about you get a few pounds in that thing before it blows out on the way home and by the way you got a zit don't monkey with it lance it (laughs) hit it with a pin <laughs> Go get one of get one of those acupuncture pins. They're right. the thinnest. Drop it right Lance in the sweet spot. Boil. Pull it apart. Drain it out, <laughs> and then hit it with some of the tinted oxy ten and dab it on good before you go to bed. Like I just feel like I will I will be telling them how to wipe Save their them ass. For years I will be of explaining agony. everything. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll be going this. Use this electric toothbrush. It's a lot better <laughs> than uh, just using the. What is it? I have no idea. That's a really good question. I mean, I also. Like, I feel like my dad taught me, like, never taught me about money. You know, never taught me about, like, how to invest. Like, I didn't figure any of that stuff out until I was, like, 30. I I know. I mean, obviously it wasn't being, I I don't, now, where did you grow up? What part of the country? I grew up in the Bay Area, so San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, your your schooling was at? I was in private school until high school, and then I went to a public school. So I went to like you know whatever. Like it was a magnet school, but it was you know this macateer. And, and what Francisco. what did your what did your parents do? My parents see now that this is a good. My parents are both kind of artists. Like my mom was a painter, and my dad was a photographer, and then they got real jobs. Mm-hmm. So my dad was a butcher. Actually, he was a meat cutter. Like mm-hmm. most of the time, and my, and then uh, my mom was a teacher, and then she worked at insurance. I mean, like regular old jobs. It wasn't like they had money. I mean, that maybe they didn't have any money to invest, so they didn't know anything about investing. But I mean, I, I don't. Well, first off, not having money is a probably better reason to sit down and Talk discuss with money. your kids yeah. about money. My mom was uh, <clears throat> regular Gordon Gecko. She, uh, <laughs> I said to her once, uh, she, she got welfare, and I was like, and food stamps. I yeah. was like, hey, mom, why don't you just go out and get a job? Right. Seems like the way to go. You get a job, we can we can get a nice get out of this piece of shit house and get out of this piece of shit car. You get a job. And she goes, hey, if I got a job, I wouldn't get my welfare. Like, that was her big speech. Right? Like, I, and it actually actually walked away going, eh, yeah, that she, old lady's sense. got a point. Yeah, I don't want to squander that 433 bucks a month that Uncle Sam's giving you. And I thought, now that I look back on it, I yeah. go, really? That was your financial speech? <laughs> Here's what I learned. You can't buy cat food with food stamps, and if you get a job, you'll screw up. You You're, won't you won't be on the dole anymore. No, God, no more government cheese for you. God no, forbid. Good government cheese. God forbid they're not going to back up the Velveeta truck <laughs> to the house anymore. The I, canned vegetables that just say vegetables. I know on what the, side. the fuck was wrong with everybody. I it's like not one discussion. And by the way, none of my none of my friends got any right, discussions right. Like, yeah. about. 
Here, well, my me... husband, he grew up in, in Pennsylvania. He knows everything about money. Like, he literally, I married a white guy, and it could not be more stereotypical in this particular fashion that my husband's like, you know, we should buy some mutual funds. And I'm like, mutual funds? What's that? I'm going to the mall. You know? <laughs> and I'm like, give me a 40. I mean, like, it's, it's sad that that would be the interaction, but it's totally, like, I know nothing about that stuff. Everything I know, I learned from him. It, it is, uh, there, there's, there's two things, really, that you need to know in life. I mean, it's uh, why both my kids will have eating disorders when I'm done. <laughs> When I'm done with my two weeks on zits, I'm going to do another two years on this, which is pretty much on the on the planet. There's this thing called money. And it's like I usually like to approach things as if I was from a distant galaxy in a star far, far away. And if I came down here, I would realize that this thing known as money that gets passed back and forth between the human beings seems to be the key to almost everything. Right. Right. Well, if you need and it's not just, oh, you get to drive a fancy car. No, you get a safer life. Yes. I mean, how many you goddamn remove people yourself from environments that might be threatening? Physically. Yes. Yes. How many people have died? Just because they were poor. Yeah. Just because you're driving a piece of shit pickup yeah. truck around. We're living in a neighborhood where you're observing the law, you're a good person, and you're around jackasses and assholes, and you right. get caught in the crossfire. You get caught in the crossfire, but just as simple as how many people die behind the wheel mm-hmm. every year because they they're not driving a Mercedes mm-hmm. with an airbag and, and crumples on, and, yeah, and they're driving steel, on four retreads, and they get a blowout, mm-hmm. and they pull off the side of the freeway, and a and drunken trucker mm-hmm. nails them. I mean, this they're thing... They're all drunk, by this, the way. This car, or they're at least beaked <laughs> up on something. I should just say trucker. You're right. <laughs> just, why, no, yeah, there's no need to subdivide. It's like when people say engaged to be married. We get it. <laughs> say engaged, I'm bitch. Engaged, we understand. I'm engaged to make a sandwich. <laughs> um, so yeah. I'm going... So the notion that the one most important thing on this planet is to figure out how to make this junk mm-hmm. in order not to live... I mean, literally... To not to be exposed to the elements. Mm-hmm. If if you do a horrible job of making this stuff called money, you will be freezing in the winters mm-hmm. and burning in the summers. And, yes, hungry. Right. And yes, it was a topic that was never discussed my mm-hmm. entire childhood. Mm-hmm. Other than we don't have any of this stuff. <laughs> that part I got early and often. And then when I went to school, was a lot of talk about Paul Revere, and you know, Civil War. Right. And how to throw a pot on a on a pottery wheel. <laughs> Every goddamn topic under the effing sun, right. except for the part where they went, you know what? Here's how to make right, this. Right, right, right. You know what's interesting is there there wasn't even, I mean, it doesn't even have to be like everybody's got to be a stockbroker, which as we know now is not that lucrative of an endeavor right. anymore. But it was like really like how to, how to find an innovative way. Like, look, it doesn't matter what you do. You can pretty much find a way to make money doing anything. If you think about it hard enough, you know what I mean? Because my parents were like, you can't be an artist. You're never going to make any money. I was like, oh, I'll figure out a way to make money. Right. Um, but, you know, like that kind of up the line of like, you know, you have to go to college to be successful. And right. like that meaning nothing to you when you're 14, you know, like, sure. like I want to go get high behind the, the gym. Well, especially when you're you not, know, you could get going, to, not going to college yeah. at all, then it's like really, you're really screwed because I just went through, you know, the L.A county unified school district and everything is about sort of grooming you to go to college right. except for 
ten uh, percent of the people go to college. Five yeah. percent of them are going to junior colleges, and forty percent of the people drop out. Anyway, so yeah. this whole notion that we're grooming you to go somewhere you're never going to go right. to is semi ridiculous, and that you can't relate to. I mean, because I think also contextually for a lot of people, if they can't look around their lives and see anybody that went to college, there's nothing. It's not meaningful to them at all. I mean, you know, even if you were motivated, like, oh, that might be cool. It's like there's nothing in your life that like shows you why that's valuable or interesting. Right, and I should have just told you how much free beer you get in college that would have gotten a lot more people my 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 family had uh, well <clears throat> my mother was a chicano studies major at la valley college that's a big I, money making um, oh line, I think. oh back up the brink truck baby <laughs> oh man boycott grapes <laughs> oh her and cesar chavez <laughs> and uh edward james almost was at the house dropping oh, off briefcases of money bringing sacks of money to the sacks of money what this is just oh. for you and your studies I know, I know. Just taking uh, private <laughs> jets to uh, Mexico every other weekend. <laughs> to I know. commune it, with the Pueblo. There, there's no worse major in terms of make, <laughs> making money. My dad, my dad went to college later on in life. My grandmother had a gig, but she worked at the VA. She worked at the Veterans Hospital, and she pr- was lower level, whatever. Right. Probably made right. twenty five grand a year. So I certainly didn't equate college with making any money. Right. But there was just no discussion on how to do it. And furthermore, like you were talking about moments ago, how to take your aptitude, your calling, right. your gift, whatever you want to call it, and convert it into, into a money. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. because it was always about study hard, yeah. do something that sucks, and figure out a way yeah. to make money. Yeah. Do something that makes you miserable and drives you crazy, and then you want to gouge your own eye out with a spoon. I always just thought work sucked. Like, yeah. I mean, I every... Well, first off, almost all blue-collar work does, does suck, suck, and yeah. that's sort of where I come from, but... I just thought, I used to see that bumper sticker that says, you know, life sucks and then you die. Like, I just thought, well, everything is basically Norma Ray. Yeah. You just go to your (laughs) shitty factory (laughs) job. And by the way, there's no shitty, not even any shitty factories where I am. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, Silkwood, where you go to work Uh, for 10 years and then you get cancer and they scrub you with some really mean uh, I wish they had a coal mine in North Hollywood. I would have had something (laughs) to look forward to leaving, Ah. leaving high school. But what do you say to those people who, as a matter of fact, I got an email from, uh, I think it was uh, Justin, and he's doing a job that's just a paycheck. Yeah. How do you, and you've probably had those mm-hmm. jobs, oh, yeah. how do you make that transition from that job to doing what you're doing? God, that's a really, that's a really good question. I mean, I'll say, first of all, by way of history, that I, my dad was a really hard worker. My dad has an eighth grade education. Mm-hmm. You know, he grew up in like this, the gritty, I mean, just a terrible, terrible part of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. His dad died during World War II. His mom raised five kids alone. Right. Uh, you know, he was the only boy in the family. And, you know, he lived in a, in a rough neighborhood. He was always defending his sisters and getting fights. And he went, had to go to like juvie, essentially, when he was like right. 13. And then he never went back to school. He's unbelievably smart, but he doesn't have an education. And he did all... All of the shittiest – I mean, literally, he fucking broke rocks in high school. That was what he did. You know, he went really? to juvie and broke rocks like for a year. Like a chain gang. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was what they did to black people back then. Wow. Uh, yes, you know, you break rocks.
rocks, license plates. Now, you know, you kick it in jail with the guys from Oz. But back then, breaking rocks. Jeez. So, um, uh, you know, he is completely a self-made person, completely self-made. Right. And, um, you know, for the whole time I was a kid, I, and, and, and even now has done mostly, I mean, now he's like semi-retired, but mostly like real authentic manual labor. You know what I mean? He was right. a meat cutter. He butchered cow carcasses for most of my childhood. For a while, he was a deep-sea fisherman, and he would catch fish and sell them. We ate a lot of freaking fish back then. Wow. <laughs> Just be oh, there's dad with a big ass fish again. It's awesome when you're nine. Uh, and then um, just yeah. a big smelly fucking fish. Um, and then also what he would do is he, we were poor, so my dad would catch a fish and then take it to a restaurant. And be like, here, cook, cook this up. Like that was his thing. He'd walk in with like a fish wrapped in paper, and they'd be like, you know, we have food here that you can buy. He's like, no, I don't want to buy. I just want you to cook that really? while I rest. Yeah, we did Chinese restaurant. We they have like a corkage charge. I mean, it must have must have been some kind of fish corkage. We get like a bass and black bean sauce would show up twenty because Asian people understand. And, you know, economy and self-sufficiency. It's like the one culture where you show up with a fish and they go, eh, all right, we'll cook it. Right. Um, but so, you know, he was very much about industry. So, like, I had my first job when I was, like, seven. I sold apples at, like, a flea market. And my mm-hmm. dad was always about hard work. I mean, my mom was the college person. They were both college people. But my dad was like, you have to bust your ass and that's how you be successful. Yeah. And I think – so I never feared hard work. I think – not everybody is is like as enamored of money, but in this culture and in the West, particularly if you don't have it, things are ta- you know things are kept from you. You don't have to be a jillionaire, but you're right. I mean, living in this neighborhood, having your kids go to a decent school where they're not going to get stabbed in the neck for a crack rock, and right. you know, I mean, like that's just basic shit that you can you know have for your family if you have money. And um, so I had you know tr- really poor. I had my first day job. I made so little money that I would get a 20 out of the ATM on my, like on payday and that would be my 20 oh, really? for two weeks. Yeah. I would have to make that like I would buy a latte and then I would like you know sip it and then microwave it and then go get the shitty coffee from the office and fill it back up and you know there'd be like a meeting at the office and there would be this like siren call that would go out when the meeting was over and we would just scavenge all the half eaten bagels I mean I was poor um, I love that story by the way yeah, and being hungry, and uh, I, I agree. I don't know a really motivated, hardworking person that's out of a job or poor right now. Yeah. They all share that same element, which is the sort of go get it, eye the tiger. Yeah. I don't care if it's shit work, I'll roll up my sleeve. Yeah, and, and not being, not fearing shit work. I mean, the thing is, it's like there's two, what there's a person Wor- who does, Also yeah. working for free. Right, and if, sometimes if, having if to put the time in to show people. Yes, if, yeah. it's, if it's an opportunity. Or going above and beyond, like saying, I know I'm only getting paid for this many hours, but I'm going to show you that I'm better than the situation I'm in now. Right. I'm going to demonstrate that I'm ready for an opportunity when it comes along. I don't know how you get people to get that. Right. I don't know that you can instill that. No, you have to. It has to be inherent in who you are. And I don't know that you teach it at any level. I mean, and I don't know that it even varies from family to family in the sense that. You had one of the hardest working nose to the grindstone, roll your sleeves up, go to take your lunch pail to work every other cliche dad on the planet. Mm -hmm. My dad is like a three-toed tree sloth. (laughs) I've never seen a fucking guy get off the sofa. I mean, he doesn't work hard at all. He's never put in a hard day's work in his goddamn life. Wow. And I saw that. And And then you learned something from that. You learned the opposite. Well, I I, I did. Yes, I (laughs) did. I saw my family sitting around and rotting. Right. And I said, I'll be goddamned if I'm going down this shit highway. Right. And I went and did my own thing. But I don't know that that was either nature or nurture. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I don't know that one of my kids isn't going to be just some sort of flunky <laughs> and, and lazy and soft as yeah. shit, you know? Because in the end, also, like, I like okay, I, lo- I learned by watching. But in the end, 
you know, I could have just been somebody who was like, yeah, I don't want, I mean, I don't want much. Like, I don't know if the, the fact that I'm a hustler is something that, I, to me, I feel like it's something I learned from my parents. I feel like I believe in the value of a hard day's work and I'll do it even if I don't get paid for it. And for a long time, I did do it even but, when but I didn't get paid about, for it. But now what about, do you have brothers and sisters? I have a younger sister who's also, who took a different path, didn't go to college, but, you know, went to kind of vocational school and she's a, like a pharmacist, essentially. Not, not a full pharmacist, but like, right, you know, like a farm tech. Right. Makes a great living. Um, and is just like me, like completely obsessed, you know, gets up at four in the morning and works her butt off and, you know. Uh, yeah. And, and, and again, nature and nurture, maybe both. In I, your maybe case. both. Cause I'm sure there are people, industrial people have just lazy, like pothead, you know, loser kids. I, oh, 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 all, all that, the isn't time. That the fear? That's the fears are going to crank out a, just a dud. I, that's I, it, like, uh, I'm yeah. terrified of having kids. That is maybe top three reasons is I'm just going to crank out just a total like just a just a, a brick. I'm just going to drop a lazy pot smoking pregnant at 14 op, young optimum in the making brick. I uh, well, I'll tell you a worst case scenario if you're a dude. <laughs> when I was doing uh, when I was doing Loveline, I usually have to edit the story quite a bit, but <laughs> now I don't need to. Uh, when I was doing Loveline, um, about uh, as about six years ago, we talked to some like fifteen, sixteen year old boy, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in hot water with my dad." And I was like, "I was like, uh, what happened?" And he's like, "Well, I'm gay, and he doesn't know I'm gay, and I went out to a club on Friday night, and I brought home another guy. Mm-hmm. He must have been maybe he was sixteen or seventeen. I brought home uh, the other guy." And uh, he slept over, and the following morning, my dad came in the room, and he kind of caught us. Uh, and I said, uh, kind of caught you uh, sleeping, doing what? And he was like, well, we were, you know, yeah. engaged or whatever. And I said, well, Making sweet, what sweet e- love. exactly like were you doing? <laughs> because if I'm a dad, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's sad but true. There's a difference between my son blowing a guy and my son getting blown. <laughs> Do you walk in old? He's a top. Sweet. At least you're a top. I knew it. <laughs> Check the crest. All pitch, no catch, my son. Check the All crest. Pitch. They're right there. It's the guy. <laughs> Clearly, the Corollas are tops. They've always been tops. My pops was tops. His pops was tops. We are pitchers, him. son. We will always be pitchers. Yes, that's right. Thank you. Now pass the loop. <laughs> so I, I was Poor like, there, there's subtle differences between where you are in yeah. the sort of pecker order in the in the in the <laughs> on the gay food chain. And so I said, well, now, 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 as homophobic as it as it sounds, and uh, I come from a family who, by the way, I am convinced that my family wished I was gay. <laughs> I, I really do because they wouldn't give a shit at all. They're right. the, the the most the super liberal. They they every friend they have is gay, and I think they're they're subtly disappointed that I'm not. But <laughs> either way, if um, so he said, well, I said, now what happened? And he mm-hmm. said, well, my dad walked in, and I said, well, what were you guys doing? Were you like blowing him, or was he blowing you? Uh, not exactly. Well, were you like? screwing each other or like what did dad see when he was standing in the doorway and he said uh well this guy was blowing himself whoa and i was jacking off wow 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 Wow, it's worse (laughs) it's worse worse than anything you could ever have imagined dad could have could have conjured wow yeah that's woo and i thought well now you see you could have a lazy son right and then you'd you'd be thanking your lucky stars or you could have a highly motivated son (laughs) who was just a tiger for cock and 
and nobody oh. wants to stand. No one wants to do that finger tap on the door. Son, you want any breakfast? Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. So I got, I got that to look forward to. Moral of the story is talk with your kids uh, very early and often about installing proper door locks. Yes. Put a barrel <laughs> bolt in Just and... And One of those things that drives into the ground, you know, like those those brass bars that are meant to keep out burglars. It's really the ones uh, that they use in front of the federal buildings to keep the terrorists from driving the van into it. The things right. that pop <laughs> off from the ground, staff the giant the cylinder ground. that just comes just comes now up from the ground. Now we've come full circle here because we talked about why parents stop talking about stuff with their kids when they're a teenager. It's out of fear. It's out of abject terror. They don't want to know. They don't. Yeah. Want to, they're afraid if they start talking to you about hygiene, eventually it's going to turn to sex, and then you're going to talk about your friend who likes to blow himself and and then it's all then what do you do you can't put that that tiger back in its cage no i i know and uh again can't you know, unring that bell i can't unring that bell right now and i'm trying adam i know and then there's that thing there's that other double standard where if your girl goes lesbian it's cool mm-hmm. not great but it's cool. Well, you know, she's going to be well-read, and she's going to probably be vegan. You know. Also, like, by the way, green. she'll be doing to her you know, college classmates what Daddy was beating off to <laughs> watching Cinemax the other nights. How bad could it be? Ah! You know what I mean? Oh and God. it's not going to be a whole bunch of venereal diseases There's and abortions just, and yeah, stuff. It's just, it's just a lot of hugging and cats. Well, I'm saying the girl goes lesbian. There is a certain bullet dodged. Yes. There is that cock bullet, which is dodged, (laughs) which is the cock is trouble. I I don't think that anybody would disagree with you on that statement. I think statement for the ages. Especially that age. It brings disease. It brings pregnancy. Terrible behavior. Thoughtless and unspeakable Pink eye, potentially. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of trouble. There is a lot of trouble. And it's just also. So I think with teenage boys, it's just an uncontrollable instrument. Like it's just its own unwieldy entity, difficult. It fights with you. It disagrees. It's you could, furious. And mind of its own. Yeah, mind of its own completely. Much more powerful than your mind. It's like a voodoo doll. It's like, you will do what I say. I will do what you say. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I know. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it is. It's. I mean, that that hormonal thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it's. I, I, I swear to you, is uh, is bizarre as it sounds, like all of, I mean, I I don't oh, this is going to sound horrible but really whatever whatever th- there should be grades of rape and if there's guys that are 16 that do that thing where they pull the chick's bikini top off in the public pool and whatever they're calling mm-hmm. that he, he can't be helped. He can't that's that's his hormones <laughs> are going so insane that you can't stop that. <laughs> like when you I, see boobies <laughs> In a bikini top, and you're 16, you just literally go, you walk around school with a boner. And by the way, I hated school, and I walked right. around school with a boner. Right. It's like, I just know, it's like walk, I, walking around a cemetery with a boner. <laughs> like, it is weird that every guy I know spent his entire sophomore, freshman, and junior walking around campus with a boner, and, by, and, and there could be nothing le- more or less, repulsive. I should say, repulsive yeah. than school. It smelled funny. It I was, was a horrible student. People. It's yeah. full of mean people. And the number two pencils are weird. <laughs> Everything sucked in there. It was not like I was at a brothel. Right. 
exactly. Just a boner. We need to do more. And you have a daughter, so this is something that you should take away with you from one woman to the parent of another eventually. It, rather than busting more boys for doing that, we just need to teach more girls to be uh, more violent. <laughs> in my high school, if a guy touched you, you just punched him in the face. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. There was no going to the principal. I mean, it was big when I was in high school to, like a guy to touch your butt. Like if there right. was crowded, a crowded hallway in a party. I mean, right. I just tagged people. I, was just, I didn't even – I mean, sometimes I hit the wrong – Oh, somebody. yeah, immediately. It didn't matter who was behind me. If you were a dude and you were anywhere near my butt, you got a clock in the face. And that just taught people a freaking lesson. You don't learn a lesson going to the principal's office. You right. learn a lesson getting popped in the lip. Immediately, it's like, it's like a Pavlovian response. Touch my butt, pop in the lip, and eventually you stop touching girls in the butt without asking first. I'm, I'm just picturing so just, the, the just scene from uh, Slapshot where the Hanson brothers went up into the crowd and were punching out guys, and he was yelling, <laughs> is this the guy? And he'd punch out just that guy and he'd grab another guy I and he'd punch him out. I often hit the wrong guy, but you know what? Collateral damage is to be expected. And, and by the way, A, it's the same way I feel about Gitmo. I'm sure that guy did something. <laughs> exactly. Maybe it wasn't You were to thinking you. about it. You watched it. You enjoyed it. And you, you wanted to do it. He's not just an innocent cab driver <laughs> from Decree. Maybe he wasn't exactly carrying explosive vests when you found him, but, but that doesn't mean he didn't have one before. He likes vests. He you likes can see he vests. likes to wear a vest. It, it, it's obviously extrapolated. Not down, only. Down the road. I'm with you. So the, the innocent guy you punched, A, probably grabbed someone's ass at a party the week or before. Or was thinking about doing it later no, in the night. B, just becomes a messenger. Yes, absolutely. Spread the word far yeah. and wide. You touch Aisha ass. It, you touch Aisha Tyler. Lip. Nicely shaped, heart <laughs> shaped, beautiful, tan, cocoa buttery, Ow. smooth. <laughs> and then it ends badly. Luscious buttocks, and you will get a knuckle goddamn knuckle sandwich. sandwich. And it became instinctual. Like I never even thought about it. It was just tag. Just were you? I mean, uh, obviously, you got quite a genetic hand dealt to you while you were putting your genetic fist in everyone's <laughs> genetic. Face, but please don't give me the gawky, too tall. No one asked you. I apologize. Prom story. You no, were hot, I went to right? prom, but I was not hot. No, I definitely went to prom. Um, but and I, I, you know, next time we get together, I will show you a photo of me like in science. You couldn't fair. get it together. I, if when you're this tall and everyone is five four, yeah, just you know, you're just like it's it's Lilliputian what's happening. But you couldn't, and also I always hear from chicks too. They couldn't dial themselves in. They couldn't figure their hair out. No, they none of that. Their makeup. Oh, I had this kind of awful like pseudo jury curl for most of like middle school and high school. I, it was like kind of sw- it, literally I was ready for the world. Okay, like I was I could have just joined the band ready for the. World and I right. would fit right in with that ter- like side swooping like terrible kind of orange juice Jones haircut. Yeah, um, I shopped. I was poor, so I shopped like you know in vintage stores before that was cool. Those were just used clothes at that right. time. Right, this is uh, yes, this is pre uh, pretty pre, pink pre or hip. whatever. No, yes, yeah. absolutely. And uh, and also I was a, I was bookish. I was a, I mean I was literally a nerd. I was I was like a smart kid. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I was kind of odd, but like funny and hip. I mean I I, I my parents didn't have a TV for most of my childhood. Huh? I read That's like abuse. impulsively. Yeah, I mean I. Was, I was not well, a cool kid. I would also say that um, beautiful women and striking beautiful women like Aisha Tyler. are so nice. Uh, well, it's the truth. No. Um, my daughter's crying in the She's next room. She's furious. Um, you guys probably see your prime or grow into your prime later on in life versus your younger years. Like all the chicks that did the best in junior high and high school were Fall cute. Apart. Yeah. They were they were they had the little button nose. Yeah, like and, adorable. And, yeah. Yeah, there's something about them that doesn't translate into womanhood. Mm-hmm. They're like you know what they are? 
They're really like uh, Clint Howard, the actor. <laughs> that kid on Gentle Ben was the cutest goddamn little toe-headed or kid Haley ever. Or Haley Joel Osment, right? He started, he's trolled out. Became a monster. Yeah. <laughs> Literally a monster. I, or, or Johnny Whitaker from Family Affair. <laughs> All right, those are Yusha Taylor on episode 13. Coming up next, we have Adam Krula show episode 14, featuring Alonzo Bowden. Adam talks about Al, the uh, landlord, and how much you put up with when you were a young person, didn't realize how crappy uh, the situation you were living in was, and how shitty everyone else was treating and what they were getting away with. Very fascinating discussion. Goes a little something like this. Hey, it's weird, Alonzo. I don't know if you have these moments where you look back on your life, and you were young, 18, 19, 20, and at the time... You were pliable, and you didn't have the same brain you have yeah. now, and everything just seemed like, all right, well, what the fuck? But then when you look back on it, you're like, holy shit, what well, the hell? Like adult. Well, that's thing? an adult. Yeah. Huh. This guy, right. we, we lived in this six, it was a six or eight unit building on, on North, in North Hollywood on Laurel Canyon. Me and Donnie, one bedroom apartment right up there. There was a guy named Al, and Al lived directly below us, right? Yep. And Al, he worked at Lockheed. Remember? Oh, I don't remember that part. Actually. He worked security, <laughs> and he worked over at Lockheed. Want to let him steal my car? <laughs> and he was yeah. He wore horn <laughs> rim glasses. He wore a blue uh, windbreaker. Yeah. And he walked his little dog Skipper. And he he, he did look like he was straight out from the fifties. Yeah, he had he had the, the pomade and the hair and the whole thing. He looked like kind of a little Italian guy, and he was a quirky little guy. No girlfriend, no wife. No, oh, he had a kid, but his kid didn't live with him. He was like was retired. Junior looked just like him, but yeah. Know. And it was one of these things where somebody said, "Al, your job is to look after this apartment building," and he did the done and done. <laughs> like he took his job very seriously, and he so would he patrolled the apartment building, the outer radius, but he'd carry a piece. And carry a can of Coors. He had a can of Coors with a beer koozie on it that was 28 years old to the point where it had worn <laughs> off the Coors and saying you could see his hand. We could see the outline of his hand on this thing. And he just, he'd crack his Coors, he'd walk around. And he was a quiet guy, but a couple of things. One time, he used to, he used to do a couple things. A, he showed up at our door one day after we were there for, what, six months, a year? I don't remember what it was. With a box filled with dildos, strap-ons, and ass plugs. <laughs> but you got to back up, though. I mean, there was so much traffic coming through our apartment. I was going to say, now, what are you like, two doing that, that, <laughs> yeah, he, just, that he, just figured, he just figured, well, I know someone who can use those. It was a debauchery at the, in the it apartment. It was a lot of debauchery. And because he said he'd deal with it because he could he'd put in earplugs and he'd sleep through the night. So he just saw all this no, traffic. No, he was there. a real weird cat. He'd say, he came up to me once and he said, you know, I know there's a lot of stuff going on upstairs. I know you guys are making a lot of noise. And by the way, a lot of the noise came from we had a fold-out sofa and we had a third buddy. And that third buddy used to like to bring his girlfriend up there. But the Girlfriends. Fold, yeah, girlfriends. He had a lot of girlfriends. And the sofa folded out, but the legs didn't fold out quite right. So one of them sat about six oh, so inches up bouncing. in the air. So <laughs> when he was nailing, by the way, you know, when you're 19, you can kick it into overdrive. And so it was literally like someone was taking a metal spike and just going... <laughs> just banging it on the ceiling like i mean his furniture must have been moving down there and this old guy would hear that shit going on for three hours straight corner me he would uh 
I, I, I'd be leaving the apartment three different times. He'd come <laughs> up and, and say to me, look, I just send one of those girls down here and tell them I know what's going on. I know. I do love the guys who act like, first off, who do I look like? Uh, Bishop pimp. Don Magic Juan here? What the fuck? There's a 19-year-old chick who goes to junior college. Hey, you know the six-year-old guy in the windbreaker? Go down there and blow him. <laughs> I could barely get blown myself. What am I going to fucking Al blown? So Al, Al did a couple things. Al came upstairs. He brought a huge box of dildos and butt plugs and strap-ons and a by the way huge box. none of that shit was in its own box it was a big box <laughs> <Used>. filled used <laughs> yeah, I mean that shit was new. spent Donnie Sanitized. was any of that shit in a box <laughs> did you see a label or a tag on anything nothing no. and he just dumped that, that thing all off and this had to, but stuff. this had to be back like this was before, this before the porn revolution oh, yeah. Man. This, this was when porn was still dirty it okay. wasn't like mainstream yet Mary you, he knew some people. You <laughs> had to send away to get that shit. And, I mean, it wasn't cheap either. And what happened was it wasn't his stuff. It was it was somebody in another unit moved out and evidently was some kind of perv. And, by the way, you know, now that everyone has the Internet and there's you porn and all that, we're all pervs. Yeah. Back in the day... A dude would be an you'd old perv. Right. You had to put some, yeah, you had to put effort into it. You'd open, you'd, you'd come in the dude's house, you know. See, right now, every guy I know who has a computer is a perv, but you don't know it because, hell, you could be on Amazon buying books on the same device. <laughs> you can't do that with a butt plug. There's only one thing to do with a butt plug. It's not like, well, what is that? It's a book and, and it goes up your ass. No, it just goes up your ass. So people knew who the pervs were back then. Well, a the mailman knew. Yeah, the mailman mail definitely the mail knew. Man knew everybody's secrets. So yeah. this guy, Al, cleans out the guy's apartment. I, evidently, the guy moved. He left in such a hurry that he left his butt plug collection behind. I don't. We don't even remember no that idea. cat. Do you? No. He lived next door to Ben, but I, I don't. I don't have any face recognition. Ben no. was our Ben was our other neighbor who I always felt horrible for because. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's living between your debauchery and butt plug guy. He's, well, yeah. I, don't, I don't even it's know worse. Ben, and I feel bad for him. No, ben, <laughs> ben, ben, ben was an actor. Still is, I guess. But you should find Ben. Ben, was a, ben is an actor. Ben, his big claim to fame was what, Jaws 2, Donnie? I think 3. I'm going to look it up. Right One now. of the, not Jaws, right. let's put it that way. Just Jaws. 3D or something Yeah, like 3D. That. And he was like one of the guys that fell off the catamaran and got eaten, eaten by the shark or whatever it was. He probably had five lines in the entire movie. He probably made 500 bucks. He got a stalker. He got a gay stalker out of this. And again, this is the worst case scenario. You don't make any money. You get a couple of lines. You get eaten by a shark. And for all that trouble, you get a gay stalker. And, you know, it's one thing if you're Brad and Angelina and you get a stalker. So what? You got a guy in a security gate, right. a guard, and a whatever, right? This guy lived in an apartment. He had a stalker. <laughs> and he lived right next to us. Now the guy, like the stalker, actually painted a heart on his mailbox with nail polish. And it's like the community mailbox. So everybody's mailbox is there, and Ben's got like a big red heart on it. Gay stalker. He took the guy, got a, the guy got himself a new Trans Am or Firebird. He got a new Firebird. The guy busted the antenna off and put a shiv in all four tires. 
I remember showing up one day and the thing was being pulled onto a flatbed and there's like a stocker <laughs> busted the windshield wipers off. And by the way, how does stocking work? Like, hey, I'm gay. I would like to stock you. Sorry, I'm straight. Oh, okay. I'll go vandalize right, your car. I'll destroy like, your what car. What the fuck? Is there any code of conduct in the gay stock? Pardon me for not wanting to butt fuck you. Sorry. So fucking shoot me. And he was one door away from butt plug guy. I know we should. <laughs> we should have got the stalker guy with butt plug guy. Butt plug guy, I don't remember, although we probably saw him a time or two. But either way, Al came up. He dropped off a huge bucket of butt plugs and strap-ons and huge dildos and we did that thing like again we're 19 you know we probably should have told al yeah, let's go ahead and chuck those because we don't have any need for them but everyone's like give me that dildo <laughs> we either, like picked it up took it looked at it and smacked donnie over the head with it and then started chasing people around the apartment janie took one our and, friend uh... janie put a strap on on and chased me around the apartment <laughs> i've never felt more violated in my life i was like holy shit took i was, a bunch of them I was the laughing bars. so hard she fell over on mm. top of me and i was, I was being raped essentially <laughs> to chick war she weighed like 80 pounds but i was still freaked out oh we put them on go to the bar put on the hood of the car <laughs> yeah. jesus put on the hood we had a cadillac uh we had a 64 Cad- cadillac limousine i think we mounted <laughs> on the hood of the car jesus christ but that was al <clears throat> that was al dropping off the uh, dildo box the uh, the worst weird part though was remember he said uh, no the weird part was that, after oh, that no. story to say yeah. no yeah, but the, the weird that part. is the weird part <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's the weird part he, he said you know there was this weird doll thing but uh, I don't think you guys need that and I remember I remember <laughs> at the time I remember I'll the, kept the doll I remember, yeah, the ti- the doll. I remember at the time thinking let me decide what what stays and goes <laughs> number one number two I was keeping the doll there's nine there's a baker's fucking dozen of butt plugs in this box but you don't want to bring over the one thing with a hole in it really what do you think I'm going to shove these things up my ass and by the way these things were big the butt plug I remember studying the butt plug and the thing that was funny <laughs> too is. Donnie, did anyone at any point in time say, where's the Purell? Like, nobody wanted, it was like, what is that? It's a butt plug. Hey, let me check it out. You throw it to a guy, <laughs> throw it to a guy like I reach into a cooler and we're throwing him a beer. Right. Hey, all right, what do we got here? Fucking butt Here's plug. There's a picture of Ben right there. Ben yeah. Marley. Yeah. His dad was an actor, too. Yeah. Old uh, Ben, that's it, right. And it was uh, Jaws. Hey, uh, Donnie, remember you said you weren't going to get into the last name stuff uh, a couple of nights ago? Oh. Right. <laughs> what well, doesn't matter? We're not saying anything bad well, about the guy. Actor. He's public, but we can drop that out. All right, we don't have to. But uh, anyway, Ben was in Jaws too. Uh, the the other the other great uh, thing, uh, the worst day of my life was probably the worst day of Al's life, and it's uh, it's the day Skipper's dog died. Now he had the ugliest dog I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> what the hell was that thing, Donnie? I don't know, but his hair was like sandpaper or steel wool. Yeah, it was a crazy, ugly little mutt. Looked a little like Toto from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Wizard, Wizard of Oz, but ugly. And and also, also, uh, he he actually it looked like it looked like. Do you ever see those things they use out front of like golf clubs to clean your cleats off? Yeah, yeah. A little. It, it's like if Toto was raped by one of those things, <laughs> that's what Skipper would have looked like, and the bristly, weird thing. So. He uh, he used to walk around with uh, he used to walk around with Skipper all the time, and he, like I said, he packed a gun. 
He told me one time, he said, you guys go upstairs screwing around all night. I don't mind. I sleep with earplugs in. And then I said, uh, well, thanks, Al. I appreciate that. And he said, you know why I sleep with earplugs in? And I said, uh, why, Al? And he lifted up his windbreaker and he showed me his piece. And he said, in case I got to use this. And I thought to myself, you put earplugs like you're at a firing <laughs> range. You put earplugs on on the off chance you may shoot an intruder. And by the way. What's anyone breaking into your shitty apartment for? Looking for <laughs> the butt plugs? Hose. Yeah, he had to kept the garden hose. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> so this guy, I got, I got myself a Ninja Six Hundred. It's parked out in front of the apartment, and I'm getting ready to go to my girlfriend's house. And I'm all suited up, and I got my helmet on and everything. And I jump on that thing, and here comes Al. Al's probably had a few, few of the cores in him at this point. And Al gives me the, uh, hey, let's, we need to talk. And he gives me. Skip or die. <laughs> and I remember, I'm not good at this shit. Right. Like, I didn't want to hug him. I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't have, I've never had a dog. My dad never had a dog that died or anything. I was like, wow, that's, that's tough news. And I did that move where, like, I'm moving on now. And he did that, no, you're not. We're going to talk about Skipper. <laughs> and he talked about how much that dog meant to him. And I, I just didn't I, – I wish there was some sort of fast-forward button you could hit in these situations. I didn't – I wasn't a fan of Skipper's or Al. <laughs> Al didn't seem to be a fan of ours either, except for now. This was a, this was a seriously emotional day when <laughs> Skipper died. I, I don't even know how Skipper died, by the way. Just, I had moved back home. Oh, Do- Donnie, Donnie, by the way, at a certain point, had had enough. So you informed me. Of Bailed out, Donnie. He'd had oh, enough yeah. of the Didn't butt hang. plugs and the debauchery. <laughs> he said, butt I'm... Butt plugs too well, much for you? <laughs> no, the, well, the apartment, you couldn't go to sleep. It was just nonstop traffic. One of our friends, I think the big night came when one of our friends got a whole bunch of uh, bootleg quaaludes. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. He had a whole bunch of bootleg quaaludes. And then he OD'd on these bootleg quaaludes. And Don, now, what happened? You hid them. You hid them. You went and buried well, them out I in the threw yard. Them outside and stomped on them and stuff. But everybody's like, "No, no, don't. no! You were going to flush them down the toilet." Yeah, I started and running for the toilet. I blocked the door because <laughs> I'm like, I'm not a drug addict, and I want me some bootleg quaaludes. <laughs> don't do anything stupid. I went bailing out the back door. But at, but at a certain point, Donnie's running around carrying a sack of so bootleg quaaludes, and people are chasing him down the street, and it just became uh, a little too much. Now, Alonzo, uh, as far as you go, you moved out here at like what eighty, seventy, you know, seventy-eight, seventy-nine, eighty. Yeah. And then what, where'd you live? How did you? I mean, I, you're just from New York. Yeah, you're you know where I lived? I lived on um, Sherman Way in Lancashire. There was a Ooh, building. Wow, wow. Well, back then it wasn't that bad. Right. Back in 80, it wasn't bad. And there was, uh, like, since Lockheed hired a bunch of us from New York, mm-hmm. the first couple of guys picked that building, mm-hmm. and then everybody would just move into that building. So it was mm-hmm. one of those three-building apartment complexes, kind of big. Right. And it just became a little New York. They were like... A hundred guys from New York living within the in the complex. So, and you must have been was, uh, doing pretty well for yourself. I mean, you're oh you're, yeah. You're, it's 1980. You're 18 and a half. You're working in the Skunk Works, a Lockheed. I mean, you're how much? How, how much you making an hour at this point? Uh, started out at nine fifty, and by the end of that year, it was about twelve bucks mm-hmm. an hour. So, I mean, in 1980, that was pretty good. And then where yeah. does it where do you make the transition from that to stand up comedian to you know host? Yeah. How do you do that? Uh, well in ninety three I was training new mechanics at McDonnell Douglas mm-hmm. and making them laugh, like teaching technical classes, making them laugh. So you're you're on the beach? 
In Long Beach? In Long Beach, yeah. yeah. so you're up in front of a group. Yeah, And yeah. it's starting to kick in a little where you feel it's, like telling a joke. It's kicking in, and, and I, I knew I could, like, I could make them laugh. I just didn't know how comics did it. Like, I, I would talk about airplanes and tell them stories of stuff I worked on and what we did and this and that. And, and, uh, and I had some, the students were characters. It was some, they had some program with the state where people on unemployment could come and McDonnell Douglas would pay you while you took this six-week course in basic mm-hmm. sheet metal and this and that. So we'd get my favorite two. We had a, a Rams cheerleader. Nice. Yeah. She And we were like, what? she said, cheerleading only pays 75 bucks a game. Right. I was like, oh, okay. So I guess you need to make a living. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and then we had a guy who was a bounty hunter who half a class he'd be sleeping. It's like, yeah, I was on a stakeout last night. Right. Like, like he's still bounty hunting while he's training to fix airplanes. It was crazy. But, uh, and you're teaching yeah. that class, and you have your captive audience, and you're yeah. making them laugh. Making them laugh. And then I, I took a comedy writing class mm-hmm. and, uh, to, you know, hit the stage. You know, they have the graduation at the club, and all right. your friends come and stuff like that. And and I got bit by the bug, and I just never looked back from that point. Like, I got laid off like a month later and just said, you know, I'm not going to do aerospace again. I'm just going to do whatever it takes to pursue comedy, which literally was anything from um, painting addresses on curbs right. <laughs> for a while to uh, I got a job with Power Rangers. I got a job driving for them. That was that was kind of my first break. Power Ranger was one of the names of the butt plug back then, by yeah. the way. <laughs> you know. yeah. yeah, the original Power Ranger. The original Power Ranger. <laughs> um, well, the thing, you know, it's interesting because the the brain, the sort of gearhead brain and the comic brain are not, they don't usually share the same skull for some reason. I know. It, it's a, uh, well, the, the way I got the show, the guy said that he Googled comic and car he was looking for a host a producer of the show yeah 100 so he, cars you must drive. yeah so he right. googles comic and car he said the first one to come up is leno mm-hmm. the second one to come up is you oh really yeah and he's like well i can't afford them <laughs> <laughs> let's get the black he guy literally say can't, can't afford them let's try comic and mechanic mm-hmm. and that's when i came up titus came up in there somewhere i think titus came up with car or Hot Rod or something like that, because he's a gearhead. The, now, the problem, and I don't know, you probably look more competent than I do, but I don't know if you've come across this form of discrimination. But once people figure out you do comedy for a living, they laugh off everything else you've ever done. Yeah. And especially if you're me, and I don't know why. I don't instill confidence in people. I, I understand it. I just don't look that way. You know, like Luke Perry looks like he knows what he's doing. Adam Carolla looks like a brillo-headed doofus who doesn't know anything. <laughs> so whenever I would talk to people and I would go, well, I used to teach boxing for a living. I Oh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and I'd go, well, I'm a, I was a, I was a, I'm a journeyman carpenter. Get the fuck out of here. Everyone would just laugh it off every single time. And I wasn't making a joke, obviously. Just something about doing comedy renders you useless in every other facet of this planet, and I don't know if you get that, because oh, you're big was, and strong looking. You know when that came up? When I did Last Comic Standing, and you know now I'm on network TV, and you start getting these emails, and people started emailing like, yeah, I worked with you on a DC-10 in New York, or I worked with you, and people were like, oh shit, you really did work on planes? Like, they thought I made, I was like, you thought I made up this entire backstory 
I know. <laughs> you know. They were like, no, well, we didn't know you, like, really worked on them. We just thought, you know, you, you were, you know, what, at the airport? What did you think? And But that's that was my validation when I started getting emails from guys who had worked on various projects and various aircraft with. And then you, you probably get this I, since you grew I, up here, uh, but... Yes, but, I went. But, I went and did a live appearance a few months back, and I ran into a guy, Jan, who I used to do earthquake rehab work. And then I ran into a chi- I ran into a guy I used to swing a hammer with, and I also ran into a woman who used to take my boxing class when I taught it uh, bodies in motion in Pasadena, and I wanted to use them. I wanted them to follow me around right. all day and go, listen, talk to Jan about me wearing bags and swinging a hammer and talk to this chick about me teaching class. I felt I felt vindicated, but it was only in front of the 80 people that were there. Yeah, yeah. and now you got Facebook, so now you get your history that you don't need. Like I had a guy post my fifth grade graduation <laughs> picture or something, you know, and, and I'm just thinking like, you remember that? Like you remember me and you, wow. You still have that photo. Yeah, you still have that photo. I had a guy yeah. show up at the uh, radio station about three weeks ago with a picture from Pop Warner football from 1973, 1974, and it was our East Valley Trojans team brought it <laughs> over to the station. I mean, it's crazy. Donnie, you didn't play organized sports. A but little T-ball. A little T-ball. <laughs> Turned into T-Bong, by the way, for the Weezer. <laughs> he put down the team, picked up the B, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, those guys you bonded with when you were nine years old. Yeah. And you remember all, all their names. It's crazy. Anyway, we should probably uh, bring this baby home since we're getting near the uh, hour mark. Yes, but I, I uh, have Weezer. one question, though. I'm sure. curious, how did you find Van Nuys Boulevard in the cruising? And did you go to the street races, too, back then? Uh, I went to some street races. Well, it was famous. I mean, if you're a car guy, you knew about it. Because, so you knew about it in New York? Yeah, you heard they, about wrote, this? they wrote wow. about it in, like, Hot Rod Magazine or whatever, you know. Had you heard about Mulholland, too? There Mulholland were songs you know about Mulholland racing? Mulholland, I, I found out from the bike thing. And and I had a uh, a 400 the little Honda four cylinder four hundred, and I used to uh, I used to race it up and down. That was Mahal. my bike. Yeah, that was uh, great center of balance. That bike has. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it handled great. I mean, yeah. it was tiny. You know? <clears throat> yeah, it had a nice four into one. Yeah. It's the only stock four into one pipe bike I knew of back then. I had one. I rode that thing every goddamn where all the time. Even when I was working construction, I'd put my tool, I'd, I'd buckle my tool bags, put them around my neck. Do jobs uh, off that thing. I even carried a ninety-pound sack of cement on the tank. <laughs> thing. Yeah. So yeah, Donnie, well, you guys were you guys were famous because everything they wrote. We didn't know what was going on. Everything though. they wrote about cars and bikes took place in California. I mean, what, what were they going to write? Well, California and Michigan. Yeah, you know, Michigan. But by it. the way, if you were in Michigan, you wouldn't have ridden your bike here today. No, because uh, it'd be snowing outside. Alonzo Bowden, by the way, you can go to alonzolive.com for any information about club dates, tours, whatever, CDs, DVDs, anything you want on Alonzo, you can uh, do that. And Alonzo, you come back anytime you like. Absolutely. I like the den. This Thanks. is very cool. Thank you. <laughs> so, until next time, this is Adam Kroll for Alonzo Bowden and my good buddy, the Wee's, saying mahalo. All right, that's Adam Krillis Show 14, featuring Alonzo Bowden from back in March of 2009. Coming up for our final clip today, it's the entire episode, Adam Krillis Show 15, featuring Joel McHale. This one is from March of 2009, Joel making his first appearance on the podcast. 
This is after he'd gone to Monterey with Adam Donnie and bonded over his Subaru love with their color love of everything else. Uh, it's very interesting to hear them talk on this episode. He gives a whole recap of his journey, rowing team, playing football, University of Washington. I think they even might maybe briefly touch on Almost Live, a local Seattle uh, SNL-type uh, sketch comedy series that was long-running that he was a cast member of. It would air right before uh, Saturday Night Live uh, local. I hope you guys enjoy this flashback to 2009. Joel McHale in studio. Get it on. Get it on. Joel McHale has joined us. Yeah. <laughs> very, Get it on. Very excited about that. Uh, Joel is doing his I Gotta Dig Me a Pool concert tour all yep. over town and all over America. And you can just go to joelmchale.com if you want to find out anything about the soup or yep. anything about dates where he's going to be in a town near you. You should go there because I have a rear, I had to cancel four dates. Really, so, and I had to, uh, or I think it's four, and they have they're being rearranged. So go check out. I don't want you to show up to a theater with. Why? Uh, I'm doing a pilot that can only be shot on weekends. Ah, oh, you have a pilot for what is it? NBC. Yes, and that is about what? Are you allowed to talk about it? Yes, it's about a. Uh, you ever see The Woodsman? Mm-hmm. With Kevin Bacon. Yeah. You played a pedophile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the uh, multi-camera version of that. So it's like you just getting wood all day? <laughs> In the audience? Uh, kids. Uh, no, it's a, uh, about, a, uh, um, it's about a, a guy going back to community college. Good um, times. Uh, a guy, a lawyer. So it's hilarious. Donnie used to go to community college except for instead of going to community ho- college you just come to my house when i was living in the garage and yeah. sleep what well, no i tried it for a month and then i gave up but i couldn't tell my parents i just didn't have the heart so he would l- literally pack up his bags in the morning in the morning leave the house at like eight in the morning drive down the hill drive to my house come into my room and go to bed yeah <laughs> but, and but what's funnier though because adam didn't give up yet. He tried it for another six months before he bailed out of community college. Wait, how long? Did, what did you say to your parents at the end of the semester? Did you wait till the end of the semester? Yeah, at the end of the semester, I just said, "Yeah, it's really not working. It's not going to work." And then he went. And you're, work. you're, well, you're. He is one of the smarter. I mean, after being, uh, after our great kind of white party homosexual romp up to Monterey, yeah, <laughs> to the car shows and yeah. wine. You know more. I mean, Adam knows everything about cars. You know everything. Yeah, he's mm. smart. He's just no. not book smart. Yeah. I know a lot, but my cousin Gans. Yeah, Sandy's most. probably the smartest guy. And you look, yeah. you've, la- when I met you two years ago, short hair, no mustache. Now you look like you're in the video <laughs> sabotage or <laughs> you are in a mariachi band kind of. Yeah. Gay mariachi band. Yeah. Or so, porn video. All yeah. right. So doing the, doing the NBC yes, pilot. I, am, I could not be more. It's, I love the script, so I'm very excited. And, and also, you're doing a script. You're I'm doing yours. a CBS pilot. Also, you're doing the soup, obviously. And yeah. then also you're out on tour trying to dig yourself a pool. Now, yeah. How's the pool going? Um, it's still, there's been no ground broken. Mm-hmm. Three bids have been taken. Our big summit meeting is on Monday. Joel McHale lives up in the hills, and he lives in Los Angeles. And if you live in Los Angeles, and especially if you live in the hills, if you want to do anything, you literally just have to spread your ass cheeks and let somebody from accounting rape you yes. while you're signing the paper. I have fantasized which would be less, which would be more pleasurable to take, would be either just doing this entire process of 
paying all that money, trying to get just soil samples taken and all that crap, or being mm. raped. Well, the raping thing, see, I, I figure I'd like to be roofied and raped because that way I would have no memory of it. I would just have a sore ass, but I wouldn't know why it was sore. Right. Perhaps I got paddled in some sort of fraternity hazing yeah. on a But ride. then you would walk outside and you'd go like, oh, hey, there's a pool here. Yeah. That, that, that I would take the roofie rape versus the soils report versus the... I mean, here's what happens. Uh, you have to pay a guy, a bunch of guys, a shitload of money before the first scoop of dirt is ever moved. I, I, and I, people who are surveyor, down, yeah, yeah oh. Surveyor. Yeah, and by the way, yeah. as far as the survey... And by the way, none of these guys, you know what they do. They just charged three grand. Yeah. But all you know is they were here for just long enough to eat a breakfast burrito, and then they split, and then you got hit with some paperwork. Yeah, the surveyor guy has to come out. Then the soils report guy has to come out. It really and, – and then it just keeps going on and on from that point on. And you're ten grand, fifteen grand into this thing before you've even began to chalk out where the pool yeah. is going to go in the backyard. It's basically like buying the ring before you ask someone to marry you. You have to spend right. three or five grand before you even can go, hey, will you marry me? Yes. And, and then it could be a no. All this stuff has to be uh, put through the city, and it really makes you want to, A, either move to Texas, or yeah. B, for me... I miss the times when people were on the grift, when you could grease a palm or two. I mean, don't you miss the Frank Sinatra days when you could just go into the city or the inspector could come out to the thing and he could go, you know, you need a six-foot setback. Yeah. And, and according – now, we, the guy the guy shot his elevations, and, and according to the county records, you're pooling, you just go – Hey, buddy, you got a pinky ring? <laughs> you have a huge pinky ring. And you do that thing where you, you pull that money clip yeah, out. Yeah, and the guy goes, yeah, and so what you're going to need to do and is, you oh. Pe you peel off, peel off a couple hundred dollars in 20 We want to put in a waterfall, You do the too. handshake, and the handshake is this handshake. It's not It's not a real full <laughs> no. handshake. It's that just the tips. Just to grab thank, it. Thank you. We'll okay, buddy. Other, and then he, he goes, you know what? I think we can work this out. <laughs> and then he splits. Wouldn't that be awesome? It'd be so great. I mean, what the fuck happened to that? You know what I mean? Like, where you could, it's really, it's the only thing Mexico has on this country. You know the part where you get pulled over and you're yeah. like, gee, officer, uh, and you just take, you know, take a couple of 20s and you fold them up. There's my, there's my proof of insurance. And then they go, ah. Uh, but now with the cameras in the car, uh, they can Mr. McHale, yes, you know, just make sure it doesn't, keep it slow. Keep slow. Make sure it doesn't happen again. Now, I know I noticed the hooker body, the hooker corpse in oh, your back yeah. Seat. Let me get my license out here. Here you go. Here's ah. my license. Right. Get an air freshener. How fucking awesome would it be to live in that time when it was just, everyone was a maitre d'. Uh, Every okay. single person. It's like, you just pull up to the club. Sorry, we're booked full. We're oh, really? Oh, really? Uh, maybe this. Maybe you could find me a table. Oh, that, right this way. Uh, right this way. And you could get your pool put in, and you could get your permits pushed ahead. It'd be great. It'd be like living in Chicago in the 30s. Oh, it'd be great. So when your house was built in the 20s, no one was, ca no one was keeping... Was there any rules? No. The rule was... It, it was great. It was sort of... It was almost like being an American. 
It really was. You bought the land, mm-hmm. and then once you bought the land, whatever the fuck you did on your own fucking land was your own fucking business. Right. It was a much simpler time. Right. There wasn't some jackass who made $40,000 a year, who, who had a fucking axe to grind, who came with the male pattern baldness and the huge forearms with the salt and pepper hair on it, who came up and was telling you what to do in your goddamn house, yeah. which is what happens almost every time you try to build something here. And by the way, this bureaucracy that everyone thinks is awesome, well, let me tell you how awesome this bureaucracy is. People pick up and they fucking move. Uh, the number of movies that were slated, I think it was like over $50 million that were slated to film in Los Angeles a few years ago was into the hundreds. This year, there's like three. Why? Because we pick up and fucking move. Eventually, all your fucking ringing of nickels out of us eventually just gets everyone to go, fuck it, we're going to Canada, fuck yeah. it, we're going to Prague, fuck it, we'll go anywhere but here. Yeah. Awesome. Mission accomplished, idiots. And, and by the way, uh, you know, I, I'm cool with Barack, but remember, uh, remember he was going to change everything and everything was going to get better. And it was it's, 50 be days, Adam, it's 50 days, Adam. It's 50 days. All right, but let me say this. I said this on my radio show a thousand times when everyone kept talking about hope and a new generation of hope. And I said, you're not going to notice a fucking difference in your life. You're not going to notice a difference. Not in you the first not. 50 days. Not in the first 50 years. You personally. You don't think. Will, or di- nothing. You will. No. You will Did feel you know, nothing. I mean. I didn't like Bush. I'm, I'm, uh, I, you know, if I was an Ira- Iraqi war veteran, maybe I would notice You're, something. Yeah, you would. If I was deployed in Afghanistan, maybe I would feel something. But I'm not. I'm not. I just mean you. Just every single person that's talking about change. And by the way, I don't want change. Modification is fine, but change not good. Now, if he kept saying the word modification over and over again, hope and modification, uh, I'm just it saying, would not be as catchy of I a catchphrase. I understand it, but really, we live in the greatest nation in the world. Do we, how much change do we really need? And I look, okay, it's 50 days in. Fine. Well, look, well, you, four years you, in, you guys tell me. Four years in, you tell me better or worse, different or better. And this is not an indictment against Barack. This is an, an indictment against, against all the people that put all their eggs into the retarded political basket. Oh, once Bush is out, Bush is evil. Once Bush is out and the good guy gets in, everything's going to change. Yeah? You tell me. You tell me how different your life is 50 years from now. Well, first 50 days of of his, this administration. You can't judge it just on 50 days. But I'm he not. has done on stuff like, you know, he's going to close Gitmo. Yeah. That's not going to affect your life. No, it's going to affect it's going to affect 242 guys' lives who may or may not be terrorists. Right. Who gives a fuck? Well, it's I think it's more the world just goes, "Oh, there's America who contradicts themselves by seeing the land of the home and the fair and the brave and blah blah blah." I know, but And fuck. then they have a prison off in a land where they can do anything they want. I, I know, but the world Really? Who? Korea? Like, who's judging us now? The Middle East? Mexico? I feel like I mean, we get judged by France every day. Yeah, fuck France, fuck Canada. I mean, look, here's, here's the deal about, America, about judging. Europe, Western Europe, is just pretty much going socialist. I mean, people aren't working over there anymore. They're taking, you know, four-day work weeks and, you know, six and weeks of vacation. It's, it's good in the short run, uh-huh. but big picture, Europe is going to fall apart. Western Europe is going to fall apart. And as far as the rest of the world goes, are you guys doing any better than us? Are you treating your prisoners any better than us? 
I, I, I mean it. Like, why, why do we have to be two times as good think, as everyone? Well, it's, why can't because we just we are the, it's because we're the big guys. It's oh. because we, we have all the stuff. I know everyone. I, I know Getmo becomes a rallying call and a rallying cry for everyone. Just I was like, just saying he did something that he said he was going to do. Yeah, no, I'm, I can dig it. I'm just saying practically, I want to say to all my liberal pansy friends, you guys were going nuts when we were talking about the Patriot Act five years ago. You were going nuts. You were talking about civil liberties and invasion of privacy and blah, 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 blah. Five years down the road, does anyone know? Does it make a difference? Do you feel any different? I mean, think about all the fucking... But it's just like, well, I can't... Like with global warming, everyone talks about it, but then was like, well, do you feel like... There's less, you feel like it's warmer or colder? I mean, you say that, and you're like, no, not directly, but there's no doubt the polar ice caps are melting. Yeah, but it doesn't mean we're melting them. Not, I mean, my, here's... May or may not. I got a couple things to say. <laughs> First off, <laughs> it's become very... Are you, are you sitting down? Well, weird. <laughs> Let me say this. By the way, this, doing the radio show like this seems like I showed up to your house, a nuclear bomb went off, and now we are trapped... Yeah, and like that movie, The Mailman with Costner. Yeah, I feel like we're in some fortress, and or it's like I Am Legend, where he would go to that dock every day and just broadcast and go, "Anybody there?" And uh, and then Hi. once a day we go like, "All right, here we are at the top of a hill, high top douchebag mountain, <laughs> on blow uh, right across from Blowhard Valley." And it's, Dick Lake. It's fortress and across from Dick Lake is this fortress of solitude, the and, Eagle's Nest. And then, and then I'm like, Adam, would you just let there's there's some there's some people? We should just let these just couple people in. No, and, start and I, boil the lead. <laughs> and I make a horrible mistake. Let them in. We're all infected. All right. Okay. Here's here's uh, all I want to say. Okay. Everybody, every panty waist, half a fag that I'm in Hollywood with got their little panties in a bunch during the Patriot Act. When when Bush was talking about the Patriot Act about five six years ago, every half a fag I worked with in Hollywood went nuts. Now five years later, what? How many? Nothing. By zero. It, the same panty waist went nuts when they did the English only thing out here. I, Everyone talked about the fucking doom and gloom. Nothing. So I'm tired of everyone fucking I getting agree their panties that it in a feel bun. Di- but I feel like you know when the NRA freaks out when they're like trigger locks. That's ridiculous, right? right? Right. It's the little things. Yeah. It's the it's with each step that I got. Yeah, and, and Getmo's the same thing. Everyone makes a big deal over Getmo. First off, I don't believe everyone in there is an innocent cab driver from Decrete. I believe they're there for some reason other than wasting money and wasting time and wasting... I don't know. I, I, I saw th- some of the methods of that. I mean, read some of the methods on how they got them there, which is like, hey, we'll give you 30 grand if you can tell us which, if, which one of these people are terrorists. Oh, I'm sure half... It's like, it's, like the pri- it's like the prison system. I mean, I'm sure there's a good 20% of guys in there who didn't do shit. Yeah. I understand that. I mean, it's sad that that's the way it works, but it still doesn't mean 80% of the... It doesn't mean we open the gates yeah. to the prison. No, but and it doesn't I don't mean, care well, if we I move agree, them. I, I, obviously, they need to be looked over, but it doesn't mean they need to be there for 10 years where they're like, well... No, and I can dig the habeas corpus and all that kind of shit too, and I, and I'm 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 fine with that. I'm just saying, it becomes a symbolic rallying yes, cry for everybody. Just come and try them in the United States. That would be fine. I'm I'm fine. I'm just saying your life is not going to change over Getmo being closed down, and your kid's life is well, not going to change. My dad has a, in the in Getmo. <laughs> no, he has a gelato shop. 
at Gitmo. <laughs> really? Yes. And if he loses all those guards and all those guys, really, his gelato shop. Now is it's, it's not quite sherbet and it's not quite ice cream. I Italians invented ice cream. Okay, <laughs> you should know that of all people. So your 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 father has a gelato shop actually inside the walls of gelato Guantanamo shop Bay? and wraps. Oh, they sell wraps. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because you don't want uh, a bunch of bread. You don't want all that. You I just re- want all the good part of the sandwich. So you can get. <laughs> I remember when wraps, wraps had their wraps, like in 1987, somebody said, this is the sandwich of the future, the yeah. wrap. And I remember thinking to myself, were there a lot of complaints about the old sandwich? Like were a lot of people going, what? Uh, corn beef on rye. Fuck that. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, here's the thing about a wrap. I love wrap. I like a wrap, but let me tell you my wrap with the wrap. Hold on. The wrap let me just say, wh- yeah. you're right that it came out in 87. Mm-hmm. I feel like frozen yogurt and wrap were, the, were like, yeah. they were neck and neck. Yeah. And, They're uh, both vying for the love they, yeah. of, of the American They heart. were like IBM and Mac, and right. then IBM just, you know, then the PC pulled away. Now Mac is caught up, but... But uh, but I just feel like uh, frozen yogurt got left in the dust around ninety two. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing about the thing about the wrap, and I'll, t- I'll tell you my my beef with the wrap. Although a beef wrap is solid, oh. wraps. Here's the thing about wraps: wrap. you got to eat them where you buy them, or you can take them back to work. But they're no good the next day. Let's they get through. soggy. They soak through. And the, there's, the thing Even about a sandwich, sandwich is, dude. Some yeah, sandwich. but let me tell you something. You can go to a deli. You can get yourself a corned beef or a brisket sandwich on some rye bread. You can eat half of it there. You can take the other half home, and you can eat it the following day. The wrap, when you lift it up, it's like toilet paper that got soaked yeah. at all. The bottom of it falls out. It's like lifting a cardboard box that's been right. sitting it's in like, water. It's like you can't eat the uh, you order a, you can't eat half a salad, then eat it the next day because right. it's all the the lettuce. Is you got to do the whole wrap to your head that day. There, there's no taking it home. There's no second chances. No, but when are you just eating half a sandwich? None of your GD business, Listen, Joe McHale. I want to talk about your weight just a little bit. <laughs> you I think, think I like, should eat half? No, start eating half a sandwich? With this pilot coming up, you just don't want to be known as the, you know, another fat guy on TV. I know. I don't want to be the next Jim Belushi. I'm going to I'm going to get myself into shape. My original plan was I'm, just you look, to, you're in, I, folks. He's in great. Shape. My original plan was just to sit here and see if I couldn't fill out a hockey jersey <laughs> on top of Mount Blowhard, talking to my minion. But now that I have to do this pilot, I can get my shit together. But you just ate a wrap, didn't you? Oh, uh, glorious! I, I got I just it. Did. it was I got to tell you something. We have we've already invented wraps. They're called they're called burritos. Yeah. But burritos have rice and beans, yeah. and they're warm. Yeah. It's like someone came in your mouth. <laughs> it's really like a Mexican came in your mouth. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it is. Have you ever? Well, oh, I've yeah. had a Mexican come <laughs> in my mouth, and it's different. Really? What? No. I would imagine it to be, you know, like a little cheesy, a little salty, a little, little, little hint of yeah, beans Have you been to Glory Hole's Burrito Shack? <laughs> I've been to the Glory Holes Burrito Shack on the west side, but I've never been at the one out here in the valley. That's the best one. That oh, that's was the, the first one. one. You don't want the one on the west side. So you're saying that's gl- the formal one. Glory Holes Burrito Shack, the one on Sherman Way is the one I had to go to. I can't believe you've never been there and you grew up here. I passed. It's one of those places I passed. A For a while, times. it was just Glory Holes. <laughs> I, I, I know. I know. Uh, oh. 
All right, this is disgusting. This is. All right, so we figured out uh, the wrap is good, but you have to eat it while you're at the joint. Yeah, and a salad is never completely satisfying unless it's one of those 6,000-calorie salads. Right. A salad needs to essentially be... I mean, a salad, when it comes with the chopped up everything in it, is good, but then it's not really a salad anymore. It's essentially a yep. cold stew That's right. spread over lettuce. My, my feeling with the uh, salad is I'm old school. I like beets. And you can really figure out how old people are, but you just you just go. Do you like beets or not? It, it's really it's if I'm if I ever go single, if I'm ever single, and you know you want to you want to go around and nail some hot twenty eight year old chicks or whatever twenty three year old chicks, I'm not going to ask to see their ID. I'm just going to take them out to dinner and go beets. And if they go, I love beets, I'm like hit hit the bricks, hack. Get out. You're too old for me. And if they're like beets. Beets taste like, like dirt. My grandpa used to, and then I'd go, all right, take your pants off. I feel like we're though, beets, it on. I feel like beets were big. Like with, remember when yams? You'd always hear like, well, we had yams for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I feel like then beets went out in the eighties and nineties, and then beets came back when golden beets came in. Mm, golden beets. Because whoever, had you ever even heard of a golden beet in the seventies? No, they weren't even around. Didn't exist. Now you go down to the farmers market, and they're like golden beets for everyone. Well, this whole idea, by the way, we used to have tomatoes were one color, bell peppers were green everything was just one color now you get bell peppers it's uh, orange and it's, red and yellow oh, they got a gay flag full of them I f- and the, I- the, the other thing used to piss me off all the time though my stepdad he loved sweet potatoes but he hated yams well and, what is a yam a yam is more of a sweet potato what do you it, mean it's, it, it's like a sweet potato times two like, like, like. Here's the deal. It's uh, a separate uh, vegetable. Yes, a God damn it! I Joel. thought it might have been a preparation. <laughs> no, fuck okay. the fuck. <laughs> Look, you, why? I was never served yams because they were horrible. Uh, yeah, it? evidently. <laughs> so okay, so listen. So, sweet potato. Okay, just hold on. Potatoes over here. Yam is over here. And in the middle, between the two, would be a sweet potato. A sweet potato would be like a yam. If, like, a yam fucked, <laughs> if a yam raped a, a russet potato, the offspring would be a sweet potato. So a yam is really sweet. A yam is, like, more of a sweet potato. And, and your and uncle... My, no, my stepdad... He liked sweet potatoes, but he didn't like yams. But is it like too intense? Like it's like a, it's like a chocolate truffle. I don't compared know. To a Snickers. It, bo- it bothered me because it was like it was like saying, "Yeah, I like softcore porn, but I just don't like the real porn." Like right. I can definitely beat off to the silhouette of the guy screwing or the one where the guy the chick fakes the orgasm and the guy's holding her ass or something. But if I see any actual penetration, I'm cold. Are you still talking I, about I, your stepdad? <laughs> now, saying. are you saying that at um I'm at Thanksgiving at Thanksgiving you would go? He would be like, pass the sweet potato, please. It would be a nice meal. And then, and then you, would, you would just, to start it, you would go, would you like some yams? And then he would go, no. And then cut to him. And then just a pile of yams would hit his face, slowly Sliding drip down. down. And he yeah. would quietly just kind of mop his face with his napkin. No. And I then mean, lunge it, across yes. the table. Well, you're, you're presuming that I would eat Thanksgiving dinner with my mom. Oh, I'm sorry. And that is a wild assumption. With because the your mom literally made a turkey out of 
uh, wheatgrass, yeah. raw peanut butter, and tofruity. Tof- yeah, uh, no, no, no. My what happened was is when my family split up, my mom and my dad could not be in the same room together or even the same city block. So. At a, eventually, when my dad remarried and he would start having Thanksgiving dinner, I would go to his house. I eventually live with my dad and would have Thanksgiving dinner with him. And my mom would have the dignity to leave town. She would always go on some little vacation or something or just go to a Holiday Inn and eat whatever the turkey buffet was. But I would never eat with my with my mom. And my, and my grandmother would go off to her friend's house and go <laughs> eat somewhere else. So the, the broken, like, here's the thing. Wow. When you get divorced, you know, f- by all means, get divorced. But, I mean, figure it out as adults where you guys can actually be in the same fucking room together so right. there's some civility Something. so you can actually have Thanksgiving t- together and not seem like uh, you're freaking out the kids completely. So my parents couldn't handle that. Too when tall in order. When you talk about your family... It's like a vet talking about little tidbits of Vietnam, I feel like. Because you'll, ju- you'll be like, oh, really? And then the vet would go, well, there was one time we showed up and there was a, uh, like a company of Viet Cong and we just happened to have our flamethrowers. And, you know, that's how it goes. <laughs> yeah, but-, and I, I, but then I, I, you just get these tidbits from you, these stories, and you go like, what? You need to make a family chart. They're not bad people. They're just bad ever- did they freak out and yell at each other? They're like, oh, no. my God, they're heading for divorce. They're not bad people. They're bad at being people. They're bad at just being human beings? Yes, but they're not bad people. Why good aren't people. you, though, just out of your mind? I mean, I, I, you have a stable family. You've got kids. Things are good. Because I have had, I've had a lot of therapy, and I do everything the exact opposite of what my family would do. I've told you that. You know, you, you see that bumper sticker, what would Jesus do? Right. I just do. I just go. What would the Corollas do? Um, and then I do the exact opposite. Like I come to a fork in the road, and I go, "What would the Corollas do?" And then the voice goes, "They would go to the right." And I go, "Great, I'm going left." Yeah, that is the key to my success. I've never really had the it's heart just funny, to though, thank that them if, for that. But it, most kids in your situation, they would instead of going like, "Go to the right," you'd be like, "I'm driving it into the lake." Yeah. After doing a bunch of blow. Now, now my family wasn't, you know, they weren't overtly bad. They were just bad at being people. They're, they just, they couldn't get their shit together. Everyone was poor and depressed. They wouldn't, they, I don't know. My dad never yelled at anyone in, my, in, in his life. My mom never Who yelled at anyone. Who disciplined you? Nobody. You never, no one ever said like, hey, stop doing that. No, no, no. I did whatever I wanted, whenever That's I wanted amazing. to do it. No, I was never... I was never punished. There was no, I mean, it was like there was no open, no one went to open house. There was no parent-teacher conferences. There was no anything. I, mean, just, I just ran, I just ran wild. But my punishment would be whatever the consequences were to running wild. Like, I'd right. get it. my punishment would be I wouldn't study, I wouldn't do homework, I wouldn't do anything. And then my punishment would be getting an F. Yeah. Or I would fuck around and fall off a building and break my arm. That would be my punishment. But there'd be no one telling me to get off the building. Right. There would just be my punishment would be whatever. Later on, my punishment just became life, you know, cleaning carpets and living with Donnie in a piece of shit apartment on his futon. Right there. Oh. Well, Donnie was cool. We slept on the same futon, though, for uh, two years, by oh. the way. Yeah. And I had a telephone. <laughs> the telephone was a big thing back then. Yeah, he had his own telephone, he had his own stereo equipment, and thus uh, we moved in and we slept on the same futon for like two years. We were a couple. <laughs> we were a couple, and uh, I think I would call him Smurf. 
And, and yeah, it was like when I got laid. Donnie, the night did you? And you were mad. Oh. Yeah, I get mad when he got laid. <laughs> I was bitter. <laughs> you jerk! How dare you come back here, happy? <laughs> See, I, the, the only reason you got laid because they think you look like a Smurf. What kind of kind of an argument is that? I remember one of the biggest one. Of the, what, <laughs> kind of, what kind of what kind of it was like? You cute guy, you cute Smurf. I didn't like you guy. know. I used to say the reason he got laid is because he wasn't threatening. Like they thought if push came to shove, they could kick his ass, so they'd go home with him. <laughs> Like, a chick won't go home with a 260-pound guy because if that guy gets a little out of hand... Especially at 2 o'clock in the morning. He's yeah. going to pin her. Yeah. Donnie, they knew they could throw right off him if, if he got out of hand. Okay, that's I can, what they but thought. hey, he was the... <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Donnie, though. Donnie, remember, remember this one? No, I was insulted by this. Remember the time we were, we were in our bedroom. It was a one-bedroom apartment. You were watching each other? We were... <laughs> <laughs> you were just finished, Donnie. <laughs> You just we finished were, whack waxing down his back. We were sleeping. We were sleeping uh, on our futon, and one of our other roommates, who constantly got laid, brought home you know whatever floozy, whatever floozy he brought home on on any given weekend night into the same open room. <clears throat> no, they were getting it on. They were getting it on in the living room. All right, so, <laughs> the living room makes so it sound like it's bigger than so it is. The living room was like four feet away from us. Wow. So Donnie and I crept around the corner and it was like out of a movie his head went low and my head went <laughs> high and we both crept around to take a look oh, God. and, it is, and we we're just looking like oh yeah wow it looks, they're getting it on at a certain point Donnie looked at me and he goes don't jerk off on me dude <laughs> I was like really really do you think that's something I would do because yes. I give you a little heads up on that one he's <laughs> bluegied on the uh, remote for the VCR <laughs> what I didn't not, in, not intense. You know, a lot of that's hearsay because that could have been Chris or anyone else who was no, living no, in that no. It took me actually. It took me two days. But uh, you had had asparagus that night for dinner. <laughs> yeah, you can dust for. If splitty. anybody's eating dinner or food, you got a napkin or something. You might wipe it off. <laughs> Look, they didn't. I know you like to put a little dab of uh, like a nail polish on your. Uh, on, yeah, on on your TV control, so you know which button you're pressing, <sighs> and it would just you just hope this semen would harden. It was a simpler, it was a simpler time. And no, no, Joel, uh, Joel, let's let's talk let's about not, you. Let's stop talking about jerking on. All right, let's talk, Donnie. Let's talk about you. Uh, tell us about tell us about your journey. You grow up in the Seattle area. Yes, yes. yes. You get uh, out yeah. of high school. Yeah, uh, you go and you think you're joining. Do you join the crew team? Join the Washington? crew team. Yep. Joined the crew team, and uh, they had recruited me to, to row because I was a, a rower in high school. And you had crew in high school. Uh, it was a club. It wasn't uh-huh. part of the high school. Uh-huh. Because in Seattle, there's lakes and sure, yeah. Stuff no, like our place. high school had a golf club. Yeah, but you wouldn't be on the golf team. You'd just be on the golf. Club. We didn't have a golf club. We had like uh, right. You had crew, four guys on the golf team. Right. But just like in Minnesota, when the lakes freeze, everyone's playing hockey. Right. And so uh, people did things on the water, and uh, so I did. I did crew, and uh, I got recruited, and, and and I joined the team. And it turned out it was some of the worst people that uh, really I'd ever. Yeah, well, I figured they the uh, the pecking order. Uh, they were very much into hazing and very much into. I'm a senior. I'm on varsity. I should be able to tell you to do anything I want. And right and. Um, I just couldn't stand that crap. Uh, they because no, there were no fans for crew. Parents of crew mem- of the crew guy would get bored and just walk away from the race. And I mean, 
I mean, it's like six hours a day of just rowing. Would be waking up at five in the morning and going and rowing on the water for three hours. How much did you weigh at the time? I, at that point, I weighed about 220. When I joined the football team, I got up to like 245, Wasn't 220 too big for the crew team? I mean, No, oh, guys... there were monsters on the crew. There were guys that were 6'11 and uh, 200. Oh, really? I thought oh, they yeah. were like all gymnasts, like you no. know, 165 pounds. Oh, no, no, no. Pounds. They want the tallest, strongest guys. Oh, really? Tall. Interesting. As and tall I, I as thought they can weight get, was a big Because then they can pull the... Oh, no. They have the longest stroke. Yeah. With the oar, as the it were. Lo- yes, the longest power stroke you can right. you can have. Oh, so, interesting. All right, so you, yeah. you you can't stand the crew guy. No, and I got into a fight with them because I didn't push a chair in, literally. Did not push a chair in correctly. Right. And, and, and I stepped into their... They had tiles around the senior table that they had installed tiles that you could not step over the tile line. Yeah. And it, it, it it is really weird it's in sports. It's so bizarre. It, it's it's somewhat homoerotic. Yes, too, because a lot of guys snapping each other in the ass with towels and stuff like that. that. But it becomes that sort of weird lords of discipline kind of thing, and it does that with football, and it does it with with military academies and all that kind of Very weird strange. alpha male. But the alpha male thing is not really alpha male. It's based on I got here first, yeah. and I had to eat shit. So now you got to eat shit, too. So strange. I know. It's a weird thing. And I don't think women have that. Like, hey, it's the rookie. Let's duct tape tape him to the goalpost and dump Gatorade on him. Yeah, Yeah, just because he's a rookie. So so what they did at the end of the – like, one, there's a guy on our crew that was really good. He jumped up to junior varsity or varsity. So they shaved his eyebrows and his hair off. Right. Uh, Then later on in the year when the – Freshman of their first race, I well, I had left the team by then. But then they shave. Everyone shaves their head and puts their hair into a pillow, and they have a collection of these stupid pillows full of hair. <laughs> they're like, that's the one from 1947. I'll tell you who doesn't. I'll tell you that the the two groups that don't go for this, chicks don't go for it, and Jews don't go for it. That's right. You right. can't explain this to a Jew, like for no. They wouldn't put up with it. No profit. No nothing. No gain of anything. Just just pure Jews don't go for this shit. No, this is purely white Gentile yes. world. Yep. Uh, and chicks would never put up with this nonsense either, or waste their time doing it. But when, anyway, when I was on the football team, there was none of this stuff either. The so you, most they made you hate. I joined. The, I I was in a fraternity at the time, and then uh, there was a bunch of guys in the fraternity who were on the football team, and I was in at that point good shape. And they uh, they were like, "Hey, why don't you come out for football?" Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a big walk-on program with the U at that point. So I thought, all right, well, all right, let's give it a go. And uh, they, at that point, the team was awesome. There was no, the biggest hazing there was, was the, you, as a freshman, you had to sing a song in front of dinner. Right. That's it. The rest I, of the time was like, why are we wasting time shaving our heads? We should be focusing on the playbook and winning. Right. And which I loved. They were like, they were. That was it. You, you, we were there to win games. Yeah. Joel told me off the air. You just you sung your high school team's fight song and some teabagging, and that was it. It's just a little teabagging. Yeah. Just and it like wasn't a, even called teabagging. Then. Not back then. It was just sack in the mouth. Yeah. And ball it, and swallow. Ball swallow. And again, a, a dusting of it. Not not full time. Look, and the, yeah, it's become much more intense. <laughs> yeah, it's now. It's become I mean, a that, lot more. Yeah. I mean, because when you were it's in evolved. high school, mm-hmm. it was just uh, Frankie has to touch his balls to somewhere on your body. Yeah. You choose the part. Right. How did you know the guy's name was Frankie? <laughs> I read his book. <laughs> oh, okay. No, my hazing, I had, uh, we did, we did two, two things in my high school, which was uh, 
pretty awesome. Uh, one was is in the shower. In football, on the football team, on the football, just, okay. on the football team, and this this was not sanctioned by anything. But when you're in the group shower, Ray would take a bar of soap, wow. and that that bar of soap, throwing a bar of Wait, soap, so, because this is something Ray invented. Oh, Ray invented it, right? Throwing a bar of soap is like throwing an old glass ashtray from a hotel off the strip in Vegas. Like, I mean, it's a weapon. Yeah, a, a thing of Irish Spring weighs three pounds, yeah. and Ray would chuck that thing. And when you're totally naked. And Ray's chucking that thing at you. You're not sure whether to protect your face or your balls. So you essentially do what they do during a free kick in soccer. You sort of cover. You but go. Ray would grab, yeah, Ray would grab the bar of soap and wing it at people, aim, aim, aiming for their groin. But I mean, when you're nude and someone take, someone gets a running start, like a like a like they're playing cricket or something or high line, they chuck that bar of soap at you. That was Ray's good one. But the other, but no, it was a good thing. Ray, I mean, it, for Ray was the strongest badass guy on the team, yeah. and if anybody else tried to do that no he would murder them y- yes that's he would pile drive them the other the other good the other good one that ray used to do and this one was everybody needs a ray this one was my personal favorite there was a cage in the back of the men's locker room and it was called the cage and it went floor to ceiling with that thick graded yes. not chain link but the thick industrial stuff like if from you the 30s. if they locked you in there 10 years ago you, you would die you couldn't get out yeah and the reason the cage was there is all the lockers in the cage were for the varsity football players because they had equipment that was worth money, and they would lock the cage up. Uh, the cage, of course, had a broken doorknob. And once the cage door got slammed shut, the only way to open the cage was to go to Mr. Walters or uh, actually Mr. Nelson or Mr. Uh, uh, let's see, or Fred Nielsen. You had to go to Mr. Nielsen, and you had to get... You had Do you to think get Nielsen's need- listening right now, and he's like, God, he got my name right. <laughs> he had to get Nielsen. He had to get needle nose pliers, put it into the hole where the door mechanism was, and open the cage. That's the only way you could do it. Now, of course, the time. Now, here's where the party started. <laughs> the, the The ceiling of the cage was like 20 feet high. It was like a really high locker room, and the cage went all the way up to the top. Right, because the, the criminals. Would right, get into the locker. The lockers were just rows of lockers that were about six, eight feet high, and they're about three foot wide, and they had lockers on each side of them. They, and they, they just came out like little piers. And what would happen was is uh, Ray would climb up on top of the locker. We would throw somebody into the cage and slam the door, and then Ray would proceed to pee on their head. Now, there's nothing they could do because if they ran all the way around to the other locker, Ray would hop from one to the next to the next till he got to them. The cage wasn't – there was no place in the cage where you could get out of Ray's right. whiz. Ray was standing seven foot up, pissing on your head. Now, you could attempt to try to climb a locker and get to Ray, but you'd be getting peed on the entire right. time. Or you could just cower in the corner and you'd get peed on. There was no place in the cage where Ray wouldn't just and Ray never his got his down comeuppance on this. Well, he lives in an apartment now, and he's forty-five with no family and no love <laughs> in his life, and he drives a shitty pickup truck. So I would argue that's his comeuppance. But it was a reign of terror at the time. No, no. Now, once in a while, he would do it to me or Chris. In which case, you know, a fight would break out or something. You, you know, have punched be some, Ray. Uh, I have. Oh, well, Ray, Ray and I have done the kind of fighting that's kind of wrestling where it ends up being. Well, there too, was it gets too serious. 
There was a time when Ray and Chris attempted to drag me nude into the street out in front of my house when right. my, when the entire school was letting out. I lived across the street. I lived across the street from the school, and when the school would let out, everyone would walk in front of my house, and, and, you fl- and, and I was completely to... naked, and those two fought to try to drag me out into the street naked and that was a serious battle like like you know you know how how a mother you just started throwing yeah this. like how mother gets the strength of 10 when her child is trapped <laughs> under you ought to see when you're 17 and totally nude and your entire <laughs> class is pouring out on the street and you're totally naked and two of the biggest you guys picked in up school, a double decker bus I, I was literally turning the fucking incredible hulk and and i mean when Ray must have been impressed. Yeah, they were really... If you talk to Ray about it today, he's really impressed by the fact... Because Chris was the second strongest guy in the school, and I was probably the third, and I was like, fuck this. No <laughs> way. And balls flying everywhere, fighting. Yeah, but... Like a gladiator. But, yeah, but Ray... Uh, that, that How was, far did they get you? They got me way down my driveway. They, they, got, me, they got me from... The they got me from the garage where Donnie used to sleep when he was going to junior college, <laughs> about three quarters of the way down the driveway. Actually, naked outside. Naked. They got me to the point where I passed out and slept uh, in the driveway the first time I got just loaded on booze. Where I, I didn't made up the driveway vomit and I passed out. I made it to about that point, which is just sort of the opening out in the street, and then I got a surge of like adrenaline. But yes, those guys would strip you in the middle of whatever and then leave you and you would be screwed. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I forgot about uh, Donnie. Were you in the car when uh, we decided to uh, drive home from the beach nude and then somebody dared my buddy Carl? <laughs> this is kind of, no, imagine, imagine this feeling. Somebody said, oh, no. <clears throat> look, we got to drive home from the beach and we got to do it naked. <laughs> Because that's going to make it more fun. So we went, all right. So everyone just got naked. And we're in a car. And everyone got naked. And we're like five guys in a car. And at a certain point, <laughs> at a certain point, we got up to an intersection on like Ventura in the middle of Sherman Oaks or something. And it was one of those things where back then they had to run out and push the button. Like if you're on the sides or whatever. And somebody said... Carl, go out and push the button and come back, you know. And Carl's like, I don't think so. I was like, come on, do it, dude. Come on, that'd be awesome. Carl got out of the car, ran the thing, and we just took off. And he was literally just standing on Ventura Boulevard completely naked. Just completely naked. Can you imagine that feeling? That, that feeling so would be, oh, Ray, Ray used to piss on people while we were in their what car. What happened to Carl? <laughs> We circled around very slowly. He was very pissed, and we, we picked him up. Uh, uh, Carl, <laughs> poor Carl. He didn't understand. Now, Ray pissed on people in cars? Oh, Anywhere. Oh, oh. Anywhere. Carl, by the way, Carl fucked with me because Carl was renting someone else's garage once. He had a room in there. I took a, a lemon off a tree, one of those <laughs> big, fat lemons that's on a tree. <laughs> I put... Uh, an M80 in it. I lit it and I rolled it into him while he was sitting in his room and it blew up and it shot fucking pulp everywhere and scared the shit out of him. dangerous. I thought at the time, I thought it was was hysterical and he ended up getting me back. It's a a sad long story. How did he get you back? I wrote him a letter. You wrote him a letter of apology? No. I wrote him a letter just sitting in Spanish class about uh, what I wanted to do to my prom date sexually, uh, and and it was it was very 
graphic, and it was uh, it was way it's over framed. the top. It's it was framed. way over the top. It's framed above. She's the now dead, by the way. No way. Yes, yeah, she died when she was like twenty two or twenty three. Mm-hmm. But that remember? wasn't part of the letter. No, no, no. I did, had no knowledge of her demise at that point. It was lots of stuff, lots of you know stuff involving flogging and, and banging. And, and she went like, to an all she went to an all girl. She was a very nice girl. She very went to an all girl Catholic high school. She would have never done that in a million years with me. But I wrote a very graphic letter, and he went. He he took it and and gave it to her and told her to read all the things that I'd planned on doing to her. Which I never did, by the way, and then and you, she still went to prom with you. <laughs> this was at, this is just after the prom. She, he went and told. Which I, by, by the way, that's bullshit. You know, you that's put bad. you that's put an bad. exploding put an exploding lemon in my room, right? Or do what Ray did. Just take a shit right on the floor, right in front of the door, so my dad can just about step into it <laughs> when he walks into the garage we're in. Or you do what my buddy Jeff Katz did, which is. I had a one of those Patton fans, one of those like industrial, not like the plastic oscillating ones, but the ones that are on the yeah. thick stand yeah. and yeah. you can't adjust They're them fixed. or anything. Yeah. They're really what you what fire departments use to ventilate houses. Yeah. I had one of those in my room. Him and John Tyler took a sack of gold metal flour and threw it directly into the All fan right, while be... I was sleeping. He also took a whiz on my mattress. Do that. Have some dignity. Don't give Jenny my letter of what I wanted to do to her. Uh, yeah, that's not a good joke. What happened to Jenny? Um, dropped dead in like an aerobics class or something in, uh, or something. in, in like a 22, 23. Like, like crazy, crazy, sweet, pretty, smart, the whole package. Just graduated college or was going to college. Went to like a... Went to like the doctor, and the, heart. the doctor heart. said like, uh, "What's that?" You know, felt you know lightheaded or something. This is basically the story we got. Went to the doctor. The doctor told her like, eh, "I mean, a regular heartbeat or something. Like, take it easy." I mean, she's like twenty two, twenty three year old yeah, take girl, it easy. and she went and did like an aerobics class and just died. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, I know. Very, very sad. One of one of the good ones. So that's <laughs> essentially what happened to my. Did prom you remain day. friends with her after the letter? Her got corpse. Released? <laughs> no. God. Well, what are you asking? How could you? What? Oh, after I went yeah, back. Yeah, I, 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 we were never the same. We, we were never close after Carl gave her this stupid letter. Sure. <laughs> Do you know. still know Carl? Oh yeah. yeah. Carl's yeah. a great guy. Carl's a great guy. Carl. Yeah. Carl's a great guy. Yeah, Carl. There's another Carl story. I just can't tell. No, I, I can't. I can't tell. I just feel on like the everybody air. named Carl has. I, I can't tell. Let, let's let, let's just put it this way. Let's just put it this way. He's a school teacher now, and I was running my mouth at some point during the MTV show, and I'd, I'd mentioned some hijinks from high school. <laughs> hijinks. hijinks. And his kid. That, that would have been embarrassing for him. And That's a good way to get him back. I, and, 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 and he was teaching at a school, you know, and all his kids watched MTV at high school. And he called me, and he was angry. And he was like, and Dr. Drew threw his last name into the mix and the whole thing. And he called me and he was PO'd. Like, hey, man, I teach at a high school. I don't need people coming up to me asking me about what went on when I was 17 and blah, blah, blah. And I said, like, wow, that, that's embarrassing. Like, you're right. I respect that. And he's like, you don't just don't ever bring me up. Don't ever bring me up on, on your MTV show again. Never. <laughs> Never bring it up again. Never. And I, I swear, we won't be friends anymore. I will sue your ass. You know. And I was like, sorry, sorry. I, I won't. And I, and I won't. 
And the way the MTV schedule used to work is they would run those things all the time. And they would rerun them all the time. So he had and, no, yeah. So, of course, about a week later, they just rerun the thing at four <laughs> in the morning on a Tuesday night. And his kids came but, right but back. But, of course, he doesn't see it. But, of course, his kids come back for a second round. And he just he just calls me, like, out of his mind. Like, what the fuck part of this? Don't, <laughs> I can't believe you brought it up again. Like, I couldn't even talk. And I was like, I don't even know. I didn't uh, What do you mean, no? A whole new wave of people came up to me the next <laughs> Like, yeah, so they uh, they promptly uh, re-ran that one. But, uh, that, yeah. He deserves that for giving the letter. By the way, this is, uh, he, he, was, he was a fine artist, Carl was. What do you mean? He drew. He, he was. An oh, artist. he was. He's he was a an real artist. artist. Yeah, he was a good artist, and he 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 made a painting for uh, of a, a friend of ours, and uh, he gave it to Donnie. <laughs> what? <laughs> and Donnie, Donnie, you want to talk about a douchebag move? What? Donnie, oh, it, it, was, it was no, no, no. Yes, it was like a topless it, picture was it the of Mona, her. Mona Lisa or something. It was like a I mean, mo- It was like a look. He, he was made doing these nude portraits of everybody. He made a nude portrait of a friend, a female friend of ours, and Donnie put like a hook through where her nipple would be and hung his coat on it. Oh. And of course, when Carl showed up, he was like, "What the Carl, fuck?" Total serious artist. Like he is an artist. Well, come on, Donnie. The guy was making an oil painting, and That's you hung up. You hung up. You did a Benny Hill. But move you know what? If he smashed it out in the driveway, the hook out. I could have taken it out, and we. If he'd ask you he to take the hook. He walks into my room. He sees the <laughs> painting, and he's, he's real calm. I don't even know anything's about to happen. Right? And uh, uh, I, I go into my bathroom. I go to the bathroom, and I come back out. And Carl's holding the painting. He goes, hey, Don. Go, yeah, what are you doing, Carl? And he takes the painting, and he just starts busting it up and tearing <laughs> the canvas and freaking out. And he throws it on the ground, and he left my house because he was so insulted. That was it. Yes. Well, what if, sounds, what if... I mean, Carl sounds like a nut. No, no, no. What, no. He's Carl's one of the most fine. level-headed ones What if you had spent many hours <laughs> making a portrait of somebody, and the guy put a hook through the chick's nipple and hung his hat <laughs> on it? I think I would find it funny. No, you would be angry that they desecrated your work. I... I uh... All right. The I, point I, is, yes, is you're point, now yeah. you're now going to wash university. Wait, hold on. With the, wait, yes. Carl, <laughs> do you think he's still teaching and his kids yes, will hear this? Yes. Yes. So but now it's the the it's even more now. No, no, because we didn't say anything bad about Carl. No. Go ahead. Except for the part where he's a fine artist and he smashed up the picture All that right. Donnie made. Yeah, so I went to Washington and joined the team for two years. The, the football, football team. team. Yeah. I was the greatest practicer. Yeah. I made the defense look fantastic. And you would practice as the offensive the squad, team. the scout team. But you would get to go to the games, yep. right? Yeah. And you guys time. went to the Rose Bowl? Yep. And you suited up and went to the Rose Bowl? I did not suit up. But you went on the sideline of yeah, the Rose Bowl? Yeah, I was Bowl? there the whole Yeah, I was there for How the exciting was that? Yeah, I was redshirted the Rose Bowl year, so I didn't suit up anyway. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, so one year you guys went. Well, I, the first year was in football. Uh, I, did, I was not redshirted. The second year, then they redshirted me. Planning on actually maybe to use me, which I was like, all right. Uh, right. But because uh, uh, I really didn't know how to play football. You didn't play in high school? No, I played freshman year of high school. Why just a freshman year? Uh, I got sidetracked with uh, acting and basketball and skiing and other things. And really? I, and I kind of had a thing with the coach that didn't really, uh, he was, I didn't have some paper. I was all ready to play my sophomore year, and I just didn't. And it was a, I kind of had a run in with the coach, and I just was like, eh. How big was your high school? 1,200. Oh, so it was like medium to small? Yeah, it was medium to small. We were triple A 
at the time, and, and for in that time in Washington, AAA was the largest, so we would take on schools with 3,000 kids. Right. Now there's 4A. Right. With huge high schools, and uh, my high school is still AAA. But at the time, we were playing all with all the big teams. And then what was your plan? I mean, you got the scholarship to Washington State or University, University of Washington. University of Washington. University of Washington. Scholarship for football? No, I mean, you got no, the crew scholarship. Yeah, it was, yeah. And was, then what were you going to study? What did you study? I ended up studying history because, uh, because it was the quickest way out. Uh-huh. And I loved history. It was one of the only things I could pay attention to because it was stories. Right. And um, the and I ch- researched the drama department, but uh, it was so at that point awful. And I could I really felt guilty throwing away my parents' money mm-hmm. for being uh, being uh, you know on a uh, being a third assistant to the st- a stage hand and actually getting college credit for that. Right. When it was just glory, they were just getting labor. Free right labor and uh so i didn't i didn't do that so you I, graduated college graduated college and i then i and did then what was in, the plan i did an internship for this show called almost live mm-hmm. that was on comedy central for a couple of years uh-huh. in the uh, late 80s early 90s and um i did an internship there and i did it i did it it worked out and then they offered me a position as a writer and one of the performers mm-hmm. and uh and so i did that from 95 to almost 99 it got so canned. almost live was on for like eight seasons. It was on for sixteen seasons. Wait, who was in that? Uh, a guy named John Keister, who uh, was kind of the he was he, you can you'll find a zillion images of him on online. He was he's a huge Seattle celebrity. Uh-huh. Uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy came sure. out of that show. Sure, that's where he started that character and started doing stuff on there. Mm-hmm. So and it was it was before my time, but they would have like Joe Walsh would come on and Leslie Nielsen would be a guest, right? On this lo- weird local show, Ross Schaefer hosted it first, but it was came. it was a local show, yeah. But you said it was on Comedy Central. It, it was then it then got picked up to Comedy Central for two years before me but the problem was uh it was all local references mm-hmm. and i still think it's so it was such a huge success I mean, it was a big success for seattle but i thought i always thought well why doesn't every local news uh you know whatever whatever city have something like this because it was this perfect ma- I mean, it was a comedy for that region right and, um it, it was on we were on at eleven thirty on saturday nights so we would actually push the t- the airing of Saturday Night Live to twelve oh five, and our sometimes our numbers were bigger than theirs. Really, just yeah. because it was so dialed in locally, it was so dialed in locally. You know, uh, which which is good. But I'm trying to think. Like here in Los Angeles, half the people don't even speak fucking English. The other half are Armenian. Like ri- yeah. I don't know that you could dial anything. It would be very hard. You'd have to be talking about churros and falafel. <laughs> like I, I don't know what the fuck you would do. It would here. be the most diverse cast. In Los Angeles, yeah. So, in, but in, but in, in Seattle, got a bunch of white guys that like expensive and Asian, coffee well, and, and fish. the other. Well, Asian population is huge, so all you have to do is sort of you know, split your sights. Yeah, you're like any sketch comedy too. group. It's just a bunch of white guys, right? Uh, so you go from there to what? Well, then I go to graduate school for acting because I thought uh, almost life was fun and great, and it was like a, it was like uh, it was like methadone. It was right. like it was like I was. I was on a thing I like doing, but I'm in. 
but I'm not doing what I really want to do, which is wanting to really act. And were, and, were you really, able to support yourself at that? Yeah. Point? Oh, yeah. It was a it was a good it was a good job, mm-hmm. and uh, I we you know we had a house there and all that, and my my wife and I we had just gotten married, and uh, and uh, so but I knew I had to do something. I had to move on mm-hmm. uh, because I I I freaked out that I was going to. Be, I'd like probably become a weatherman, which would be fine, but it's just not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I uh, went to graduate school at the University of Washington, and ironically, the graduate school for acting is much is great compared to, you know, their, their undergraduate at the time was terrible. But so you 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 bid adieu to. I said I'll see you later. Dick I did. Stern, Harry Seward. <laughs> <laughs> what? Donnie, Harry. do you know about my Harry Seward idea? By the way, no. jeez, who's uh, Harry Seward? I decided. I don't remember that one. Is this old or new? Is he at uh, well, he, Glory Holes Burrito Shack? Uh, yes. Well, he's at the one that's in the city. Oh, that was. I decided that you know, in a world of you know Dick Gobblers and Phil McCracken yeah. and that the, you know, all those fucked out ones, <laughs> we don't have any. We don't you know Harry Paratestes and yeah. all that kind of one. Like we don't have any new ones. Yeah. But the new ones would be. We're so used to saying F word or N word mm-hmm. or C word. That if you had a name worth, like if your name was Harry N-Word, nobody would know. Like if I go to the, if I go to LAX and I go, look, I need you to page Phil McCracken, they'd go, fuck you. Right. But if I said, I need you to page Harry C-Word, <laughs> they would definitely page Harry C-Word. Yes. And as a matter of fact, and they'd they go like, uh, Harry C-Word? No. Harry C. Word. Right. Middle initial. And you could probably use it. And by the way, like there's C. Horn. He played in the NFL. You know, you could have C. Word. You could have N. Word. It's not a bad idea. Yes. All right. So we should try and do this. Somebody (laughs) actually sent me a tape of doing Harry C. Word. They actually was at an airport and he held his phone up. (laughs) And the guy's like paging Harry Harry C. Word. (laughs) Harry C. Word. Yeah. Somebody says a uh, gayer name is uh, Wally Fister or, or Dick Butkus. Yeah, that's a question. What is what is Wally Fister or Dick Butkus? Dick Butkus is still the gayest of all names. But I, yeah, I well, ag- how about, well, I was going to say Dick Trickle. I, d- I, do, I do agree that uh, I do think that Harry Seward, anyone who can go to an airport and page <laughs> Harry Seward would be. So you've got Harry Seward and then something N-word? Something yeah, I got, I got, I got to work on uh, something. It could be Lucius N word. How would you get Mother Effer in there? Hmm. Mm, yeah, that's interesting because Mother's uh, no good. But you could do F word. You could say, "Can you page my mother?" Nah, uh, no, no, we no. we'd work on that. All right, so you, you leave Harry Le- C word behind. I left uh, John Keister, <laughs> right? And I went to graduate school for three years, where I learned to be a real actor. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then I said, well, I was I told my wife this before we got married. I said you're gonna have to move to Los Angeles and New York if uh, if you marry me. And she said, all right. And uh, and then I, you know, I lived off her for a while. What did she do? She graphic designer and interior designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that like she designed our house. Oh, that's why your house is so yeah. nice. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, uh, very nice touch, by so, the way. And, yeah, and so, except for the brick, 
in the in the uh, entry there. That's going all away. The fireplace being removed. Yeah, yes, that. Dare you? What's wrong with the brick? It looked a little looked a little looked out out of place. Not toward the house. We replaced the brick fireplace with a marble fireplace. Nice, very Armenian. And uh, so so we then uh, we moved here in two thousand, right like three months after we graduated. And how did you get the soup? Uh, well, I got here and, uh, they I must, cause they must have looked at 2000 people. Well, it is the E, it is E. Right. So, but still, I it mean, it was a lot of homeless people. They had a lot of college kids. Thousands yeah, it was a, of people. It was like a needle exchange. That's how casting goes. No, there. no, no. They must have looked at thousands of people. I think they looked at about 500. I think. And how did it work? How, did, how, how, well, I had you, gone, I had been doing, you know, little parts here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and listening to you every freaking night, and I'm not joking, to the point where Sarah would go, can you please turn it off for 10 minutes? Really? Yeah, wow. I listen to Loveline every night. Yeah. My wife would say that, too. Don't you talk <laughs> enough? <laughs> I don't like you? the fact that most people, the people that are closest to me are constantly trying to dissuade me from doing what makes us th- the house payments and the yes. car payments. It's, it's a weird angle, isn't it? Can you stop talking? Can you not make a fart joke, Joel? But I, that's, yeah, you're I, right. I'm, I sh- I I'm should, honing my skills. I should gargle with Drano and we should put an end to this entire ruse. We, we were growing up, uh, we go to parties and stuff, and Adam would just be talking and always have a circle of people around him, and Ray would be freaking out, like, okay, enough already. Just shut up. He'd be freaking out. Enough talking. I want to pee on someone. <laughs> I want to drag someone naked into the street. Oh, uh, yeah. And Chris would call you Jabberjaw. Yeah, uh, everyone, my entire life, everyone's telling me to shut up. It's awesome. It's working out. Yeah, it's working. Uh, where are they? Like charm. Do they have a super garage? Oh, fuck uh, all you people. Jesus yeah. Christ. You I know. There's you win. A, you win. I know, but I'm still not done paying everyone back. There was some kind of... You, you are, know, but you have a weird... Uh, you have a skill that a lot of blowhards, and I count myself as a blowhard, mm-hmm. uh, that, that you actually listen to people, what people say, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of those people that are just staring at you, waiting for you to be done. Yes. And then you go... Anyway, and you pick up where your story left off, you don't do that. Yeah, I, I, well, they treat a conversation like a kid treats jumping into the jump rope that's held by the two other kids. Like, they do that not last, huh? they do that timing thing, and then they jump in and they yeah. do the not last night, but the night before, and then they jump out again. And, you have to listen. But, you know, the thing about listening, it doesn't come naturally. Most people, it, it's it's weird that you, you would think listening does come naturally, but it's sort of like a golf swing or it's sort of like boxing. Your your yeah. normal impulse is really bad. And yeah. I could remember doing Loveline and the first couple of weeks or even a couple of months doing love like like you're sitting there and the person's calling and they're talking you're trying to think of a joke you're trying to think of something clever and you're doing these things and you go and there's nothing more embarrassing you go and so the person's going and my my boyfriend he he won't stop pestering me for anal sex and then i go well how old is your boyfriend and then drew would go he's 19 and i'd go well let Oh, did she say she was nineteen? Yeah, and then and then I'd go, oh, okay, and then and then like a few minutes later, right. I'd go, how long have you guys been going out? And Drew would go, two years. <laughs> and I'd go, oh, did she say? Did she say two years? Like you can totally shut it off. Yeah, 
and you have to turn it on. And and Loveline was one of those situations and it was like, where you had you to turn to it Loveline on. Loveline callers, it was always so glaring when they weren't listening to anything you guys were saying. It was just it's so apparent, like on the opposite side, where they go, "My boyfriend is trying to, you know, blah blah blah. You shouldn't do that." So he really wants it, right? And so I'm thinking about. It. He was like, "Did you just hear us? Did you hear what we said?" Oh, that was yeah. The uh, by the way, the uh, the thing I, I couldn't I couldn't say it on the air fully, but uh, the thing that uh, Alec Baldwin, when he was a big fan of Loveline, because his driver used to tape it. How cool is that? Car. It was really cool being at JFK and being accosted by Alec Baldwin, telling me what a huge fan he was and then he said what are you doing out here in new york and i said i was doing the stern show and he's like fuck stern you're a thousand times better than he is and i was like jesus christ alec baldwin like wow how do you even know who i am so it was really it was really cool but he, he became a maniacal uh love line fan and the thing that he loved the most and it just goes to show you how scant he is and i can finally say it because i said it on love line because we're like in the safe harbor though i won't use the exact same language but there was a chick, and her boyfriend was constantly bugging him for anal. Like, like the boyfriend never stopped pestering her, I should say, for anal. She's like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And he's like, come on, just once. Just do it once. Just do it. Like, every third call was every 19-year-old just pestering, uh. pestering the chick for anal. And so I said, I finally said, look, t- t- tell him to do this. Tell him I have, a, I have a perfect simulation. If he really needs to nail something, here's what he should do: shit in a mason jar, <laughs> duct tape a bagel over the over the opening of it, and put it in the microwave for 30 seconds. If you can go fuck that, <laughs> Baldwin went nuts. So Baldwin calls me one day and he's like, "Fuck a mason jar, huh, buddy?" And I'm like, "Huh? Fuck that mason jar?" And I'm like, "What?" I didn't remember what I'd said. I only really remember it because he brought it up to me five times uh, since then. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty good. Pretty classy, though, right? <laughs> to yeah. have Alec Baldwin calling you up and be like, That's it! Yes. That's the one! <laughs> Excelsior! You know what I thought was really amazing awesome. in your listening that you uh, honed in on uh, was the fire alarm battery needing to be replaced oh. how in the hell does somebody <laughs> notice that in a phone call that was always and you even had it timed that yeah there it was yeah, the perfect the pitch and it'd be 30 seconds or a minute it would be like it would, it would be between like 28 and 40 seconds and it was like that's that you'd hear it and they'd be talking and i just hear it way off into the distance drew never noticed way, it way off in the distance i'd go oh hold on hold on hold on and then i could count because they're all the same or they're all within about right. eight seconds. And I would count, and then we'd get to the point, and I'd say, stop. And they'd go, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I became obsessed with timing it. And once I could time it, I'd get to the point where I'd go, five, four, <laughs> three, two. <laughs> and that's what happened. Now, the part, the part of the whole thing that would drive me insane is I'd go, do you have a smoke detector in, in the house? they go, no. <laughs> I'd go, no, really, seriously, there's a smoke there. And then and then I try to go, what was that? And eventually they'd go they'd go, Oh, that was a smoke detector. <laughs> and then I'd go, Well, the smoke detector, it's got a low battery. And here's the thing that's crazy about a smoke detector. <laughs> a smoke detector with a low battery can chirp every thirty seconds for eight years. Yeah. And it's like, Well, wait a minute. I thought 
If the battery's it's designed low, to use half the battery just for chirping. I, I know. It's like that bullshit your cell phone does where it's like, starts, uh-oh, low battery does the chime. You're yeah. like, save. Look, you don't need to chime in every eight seconds. I understand with the low. it now. I understand there's a low battery. You're ironically using At no point do I got good thing my phone's fully charged. Uh, no! <laughs> well, not after the first six warnings <laughs> that the battery's low. But by the way, if I could recharge it, I would recharge it. I got it the, the first time. And then secondly... Aren't you wasting valuable wattage alerting me with the weird alarm that the thing is low when it, I could be talking for an extra 15 minutes? So I would be like, how long has that been that way? And they'd be like, ever since I moved into the yeah. apartment. And I'd be like, how do you sleep with that? And he'd be like, I don't even hear it. And I realized that that's when I realized people's ability to tune things out. I mean, you can or literally... Well, when you're super dumb, like when you're reptilian dumb, things don't bother you. Yeah. Like snakes and lizards and Losing stuff, they're not bothered by construction work that's happening down the street. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the more noises, light, and sound bothers you, the probably, more distractions to the, 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 uh, right, the being. Probably the smarter or more evolved you are. But they would never hear it. They would never replace the battery. And I could never figure it out. And it was always insane to me. And it was always insane, too, because I thought whoever manufactured smoke, when you manufacture smoke detectors, you must say there must be something that's enough decibels to force people to change the battery within the first hour. Otherwise, they'll go insane. Yeah. And yet people have been, we've adopted or adapted Almost like roaches do, where the spray kills the first generation, but eventually they start breeding, and the next generation, the pesticides don't kill them. You know how farmers run into yeah. this problem? Like the animals have a way of like evolving around things. We have devolved as human beings around the smoke detector chirp, the 50-decibel chirp that goes off every 28 seconds in my bedroom I can go to sleep with. Yep. That is a devolving. You, we should try to set some of those people's houses on fire and see how they react to it. Um, by the way, uh, as far as Darwin goes, that's what should happen. Yeah. If you're so fucking dumb that you won't replace the 9-volt in your smoke detector going on three yeah. years, you shouldn't be procreating. You should be, your genitalia yeah. should catch, should go and up those in those are the people that are procreating. That's, exactly. right. That's because they're to... babies. This is why. Right. Their babies grow up hearing that chirp. Yes. The second they get home from the hospital. In the womb, they every hear Every minute. Nah, they didn't have to hear it. In the, the, in the womb, they hear it. They, they, so that sound is just removed from... Uh, <laughs> wow. That's an awesome sound. It's kind of like a 30s uh, Laurel like and Hardy kind of clunk in there. A bowling pin. That's also that's also the sound when the three stooges, when the one would try to give the two <laughs> fingers to the other guy, and the other guy put his hand up and yeah, yeah. did it. Doink. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not hitting it wrong. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yes. uh, but that's what the baby has n- never, that, that sound got removed from its auditory files. Right. Yes. So those people, if you could take that sound and replace it with um, a death command for a secret agent, yes. we could program those kids now. Yes. We, right. we would essentially have the Manchurian candidate. <laughs> 
except for idiots. <laughs> Must kill. Or if you want to dig a little deeper, Telephone. Because I think that was a movie where Chuck Bronson, it, the, every third telephone. movie I grew up with, somebody had a chip implanted in their brain. And when they got the right phone call, they would kill the president. Right. And they'd just be like, oh, hello. Yeah. And then they're face would go blank right go, and now yes sir then they'd go into that monotone muscular president i also like the idea that if i told donnie tomorrow you have to go kill the president somehow he could do it oh okay <laughs> no problem uh, no problem i'll just <laughs> repel into the white house with my pistol why don't we do this why don't we uh we'll be detectives mm-hmm. donnie will be a secret agent like matt Bourne. Mm-hmm. Who uh, or Jason Bourne? And, yeah, uh, he will. Uh, he'll be off on a mission. We have to go back and find out what did it, and we research. We figure out it's the, it's the, the uh, it's a smoke detector. Battery. We finally and we get to Donnie, and he's got the sniper rifle mm. set up to kill the president. Yeah, we have the actual smoke detector from his childhood. Mm. And we bring it. We put it up to his ear. Maybe and it's we, the Chinese because mm. they're made in China and the yeah. programming. They, well, I'd say we do it, except for we can't use born, so we use C-word. <laughs> the C-word identity, the C-word supremacy, <laughs> Harry C-word. I think those are taken. Uh, all right. Born. All right. Joel McHale, everyone. We. <laughs> How long did we talk for? Uh, we're at like a, an hour 10. Hour 10, an hour 15, really. I got a yeah. haircut. Together. I wanted to show uh, Joel real quickly a picture of Carl. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then this is a painting he made in '85 of Chris, and this is the same time we we're videotaping the rabbits. Yeah, this is uh, this is about the same time, and uh, that's a, that's <laughs> who is that Chris. guy? That's the guy who tried to drag me nude out into the street. <laughs> but ironically, he's now you nude. have the craziest group but, uh, of friends that do the most. You, you like Adam? If I was like, you, you, I mean, this would be like, hey, Adam, will you get naked and I'm going to paint you? Uh, that's what no, he did. Like. Girls too. Look, here's a, a yeah, but he's just girls. like, hey, man. You want to do this? Yeah, no problem. Listen, and, and these, the apartment the, door's the, wide these open. These guys, <laughs> look, if if you went out to dinner with these guys, you could literally be sitting at a diner. At these guys at a diner table, and you would feel something on in your sock, and you would feel, and you realize they would be peeing on your leg underneath the table Still? at the diner. <laughs> yes. I know Ray would do it. Oh, everyone would do it at a certain point. It, it just, Carl looks scary. You just had to. You well, had used to have hair. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> he used to have hair. Ray, uh, at the last time I saw Ray, was the, at uh, Kimmel's house for the thing. He was like, "So, what's your phone number?" <laughs> Don't give it to him. And he was like, just give it to me. He'll pee on you. He'll <laughs> like, pee oh, on you. I gave it to him. I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Joel McHale. And by the way, go to joelmchale.com if you want any information yes. or any facts about where he might be and when he's going to be there. And until next time. And the, the soup. Oh, and the soup, Friday of course. 10. 10 o'clock What's on, on Friday night. there? Why is your knuckle all out? Oh, I'm just from boxing. I have a bad, I have a weird... Uh, from years of boxing, I have a weird calcium That's weird. deposit. Because he's I was got like a extra, it looks like he's got another, j- or his joint for his ring finger. I was I was boxing yesterday, and I aggravated it a little bit. But feel it, it's hard as rock. Weird. It's weird. I don't remove, dude. I don't, I know, I know, I can't get my ring finger, I can't get my ring off when I go to, ve- I mean, when Wait, I go what? to the doctor's. It sounds like you said Vegas. No, I was going to say doctor. <laughs> Is your doctor named Dr. Vegas? Is he yeah, well, uh, Spanish? No, no. I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to get an, like an MRI or something, and, 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 and you have to take your you know, ring off. I don't know if you, you know. have to take your ring off. Or I, I'm just saying, 
I don't Las know. Vegas? Why would you go to all the way to Las Vegas for an MRI? No, it sounds like I said I take my ring off when I go to Vegas. That's exactly what you said. But, but I said to the, to the to the to the doctor in Las Vegas. No, you know what? I don't know why it sounded like Vegas. It sounded like Las Vegas. I can't get my I can't get my ring off. I mean, I don't have to take. I won't want to take my ring off when you're in Las Vegas. No, no, I I don't want to take my ring off. It's just you know if there's an emergency like. Uh, if you got into a car accident outside a strip club, and you had to take your ring off, right? Or, or there's an earthquake, right? Why would you take a ring off in an earthquake? I don't know. That's why I'm asking. Well, no, you said Las Vegas. Like yeah, I, listen. When the like, doctor says to take like your I ring can't off, even take like, my ring off if I was going to Vegas. I'm not going to argue with him if he told me to take my ring off. He's a doctor. I'm Where's sa- your? Uh, I'm saying if there was a flood, and I needed to get my ring off. This sounds like Abbott and Costello. Who's on <laughs> I couldn't do it. Why would you want to take your ring off in a flood? Of all things, you'd want to keep it on. I, you know what? I don't have a crystal ball, no. Joel McHale. I'm just saying I definitely It just say- sounded like you said... When I, you know, if I need to take my ring off, like when I go to Vegas. I know that's, I know it may have sounded like a little like that. Like you were like going to go to Las Vegas and have a crazy time and appear to be single. I, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry if it came across that way because I would never, I'm going to I don't know. I would never do it. I mean, we'll have to listen to the tape. <laughs> your eye feels better. All right, Donnie, did you get a picture of my crazy knuckle? Yeah, yes, I did. All right. All right. So until next time, this is Adam Carolla for the Wheeze and Joel McHale saying, Mahalo. All right, that was Adam Krula Show Episode 15 with Joel McHale. That does it for today's Krula Classics. I hope you enjoyed. Until next week, mahalo and get it on.